This episode was brought to you by Amy, Dylan, Odem Bones, Awesome Possum Blossom, Brandon, William, Dave, Scott, Tristam, Kate, Sasha, Isaac, Ori, Karun, Eddie, Nick B, and Chris. Well, and Chris and all the other patrons want you to know that you're loved, you're listened to, and you are a valued member of this awesome horror virgin community. So thank you guys so much for being a part of that. And if you want to hang out with us, please join the Facebook group where we all hang out and talk daily. I know this is more of a romancing the pod question, but like, what if the Terminator came back through time at the Christmas carnival? <laughs> like, <laughs> like instead of Los Angeles, he just just like lands in the Christmas carnival and is like, give me your clothes. And then he's just dressed as Santa. Santa Claus? Yes. <laughs> like Christmas Terminator. Shoot all Santas on sight. <laughs> 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 the, the deleted scene where uh, Skynet was uh, telling Arnold Schwarzenegger's character, the machine, to go kill uh, Sarah Connor, and he was like, terminate her, I barely know her. <laughs> <laughs> so did Kyle Reese, though. So. <laughs> Thank you for tuning in to Horror Virgin this week. I'm Paige. I'm Mikey. And I'm your horror virgin, Todd, which means I don't like scary movies, but you guys make me watch them. But joining us this week, we have Blaine Gibson. Hey, how's it going, guys? Welcome aboard. Blaine, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for letting me on for one of my favorite movies. This is not a visual podcast, but here's my Terminator poster that I ripped off a wall. (laughs) I I thought about that because it's not in the house that you live in now, but in other Rooster Teeth videos, it's behind your head all the time. (laughs) That's right. The greatest compliment I ever received was when my niece came over and she was just in my apartment wandering around. She looked at the poster and she was like, is that Uncle Bubba? And I was like, oh, I'm Uncle Bubba. (laughs) (laughs) She thinks I'm Schwarzenegger. (laughs) <laughs> that is a very high compliment right there for sure oh and we should say that we did terminator this week i guess i introduced yeah, you and we didn't announce terminator. the movie yeah so in honor of blaine yeah. we are doing terminator yeah yeah and todd you have asked me to justify this as a horror movie because it is also one of my favorite movies of all time okay so because we're doing this i know that it's not classified as a horror movie like on wikipedia which is what we normally defer to but can you justify why you think this is a horror movie page Absolutely. First and foremost, it is structured like a classic slasher. It is yeah. You cannot argue with that. But also, when writing this movie, one of the essentially sources of inspiration that James Cameron pulled from was John Carpenter's Halloween. That's what I was thinking about when I watched it. Which is 100% a horror movie. But... James Cameron was coming off working with Roger Corman for many, many years and was trying to legitimize himself as a director. And a lot of people were throwing shade at him at the time, thinking that he just made exploitation sci-fi horror movies. And so he actually tried to petition to have a new genre created for Terminator. And he wanted it so badly that he names the bar in Terminator after that genre. He wanted Terminator to be called a tech noir. Oh, I love it. And it never caught on. But for a while, Terminator was technically classified as a tech noir. Now it is often classified as either sci-fi horror or sci-fi thriller. But I will say that when he was structuring the script, he deliberately structured it 
after Halloween, meaning this is a horror movie. Yeah. And if you look on top, like final girl lists, I'm not going to tell you what I was Googling when I found this list, but <laughs> I was looking for final girl lists and Sarah Connor yeah. is always on those lists because she's fucking rad she's one of my favorites she's the fucking best i agree dude especially in t2 yeah. oh yeah. She's you can best. make an argument that michael myers is just a terminator that like hasn't caught Lori, you know and then no one's burned him <laughs> enough to show the skeleton i mean they have, there you go. <laughs> i mean people cite the fact that michael myers seems unkillable and so does the terminator and that that's kind of what he pulls from it is just like yeah it's this unstoppable force that just keeps coming for you no matter what happens. I, I was having to defend it being a horror movie to a coworker today when I told him I was doing this uh, podcast because, like, he's a total Michael Myers, uh, Jason Voorhees type, like, slasher. But also, I think people's conception of Terminator is kind of changed because of Terminator 2 because you think, yeah. like, yeah. that's action, that's, that's sci-fi. Uh, but this was like back in the day, I feel like if you watch that, it's like that's like that's a solid horror movie and it's got sci fi elements. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know that we could do T2 for this show. That's unfortunate because that's a great movie. It is a great movie. Mm-hmm. Blaine and I were talking last night about which Terminator sequels are uh, uh, good and bad. And spoiler, it's mostly just T2. Yeah, I was going to say T2 is it. <laughs> And T2 to me is better than the first one. And then they're just all pretty bad after that. I still think Terminator's better, personally. Same, same. I'm a T1 person. I feel like people are either a T1 or a T2 person. I'm a T1 person, which is why I liked the fifth sequel, Genesis, which is a bad movie. Is that the one that just came out? <laughs> no, that's Dark Fate. That's Yeah, Dark Fate just came out. There are six Terminator movies. And as a goof, I was, uh, okay, this is really dorky actually douchey uh i was in my gym i have a tv on the wall and i like to just play movies while i work out yeah and i just there wasn't terminator available i had it on blu-ray so i plugged it in when i went inside to watch it but i was on like netflix or something and they had one of the shitty terminator sequels so i started playing that just to have in the background and i was sending uh photos of it to Paige, and i was like hey i'm watching the movie and it was like directed by mcgee mcgee That's the one with camera. Oh, that's the one with uh, Christian Bale, right? Yeah, which in my yeah. opinion, that's the best of the sequels that isn't T one or T two because they went a different. Yeah, I like yeah. that area with it. Yeah, they weren't trying to recapture. I'm going to argue that four is probably of the of the sequels after the best movie, but not the best Terminator. Yeah. Sure, where like as a movie, it's good. It just doesn't fit into the canon at all. So let me ask this: What was everyone's first experience with this movie? Because this, I can't imagine this was the first time any of us saw this movie right no i saw this i was probably 10 or 12 at the time this is one of the first r-rated movies i ever saw so this was the first sex scene you saw question yeah this is the first sex scene i (laughs) ever saw in a movie yeah this is good man tasteful i'm pretty sure this has shaped me as an adult basically (laughs) yo kyle reese can get it dude he's super hot and linda hamilton's very attractive in this too like that sex scene's no joke despite the mullet she she is very attractive (laughs) yeah she's very sexy for 84 you're right yeah Yeah. i I would say the same thing like it's hard for me to track down exactly when i saw this but like my parents my first movie in theaters was con air so i don't think they gave a shit about what movies i watched clearly not (laughs) so like i must have seen it as just a tiny little baby yeah uh but i I think i saw terminator 2 before terminator 1 Mm. that was how i saw it too yeah yeah Really? I definitely saw T1 first. In fact, I have never seen the not-made-for-TV Terminator until tonight. What? Wait, so did you not know there were boobs in it? So, yeah, I did not. When this sex scene <laughs> happened, I was like, oh, 
Oh, I did not know this was going to happen. Yeah. yeah, Todd, that's where John Connors come from. <laughs> I mean, I know that. In the made-for-TV movie, they start making out on the side of the fridge and then sort of slide down. And then it cuts away. And then away, it cuts yeah. to them like, getting dressed later that day. But like in this, it goes full Top Gun sexuality oh, yeah. on this. It's awesome. Yep. Which I think we've talked about it maybe once or twice on this show, probably more on Romancing the Pod, but like I was not allowed to watch sex scenes growing Same. up. This was the first, and it's only because my parents while they were like worried about sex scenes love action movies <laughs> so like if a sex scene was in an action movie they were okay with it so like i saw like tomorrow never dies and they were just like this is fine <laughs> like <laughs> no worries term it's terminator of course it's fine uh and so this was like the first like sex scene i ever saw nice yeah so uh maybe we should get into the movie yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's jump on in. So uh, the first shot we see is a desolate dystopian landscape with the title card reading Los Angeles 2029. <laughs> that liberal coastal elite dystopian future. <laughs> yeah. They actually mentioned later in the movie that the war starts in 2021. I know. So I was like, oh, okay, oh, uh, here we go. Let's do this. Yeah, because he... <laughs> He serves from 2021 to 27, 20, 2027. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 I was like, oh, shit. I thought 2020 yeah. was bad. It says the War of the Machine started when Pence would not choose the electors. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I was actually kind of confused with why they, it was such a short bit. You only saw a dude running and you saw like a little bit of robot action. Mm -hmm. And then the opening crawl thing happens. Yeah. Yeah. And I was like, oh, wow. Like, this is such a weird, like, very short cold open, but yeah. then it made sense when the dumpster truck arms come down. Yeah. Sorry, I'm yeah. jumping ahead of you, Paige. You're, like, going no, through. No, it's all, it's all good. That's what we do to her. She hates us. Yeah. <laughs> Part of the reason this exists or this scene exists is because I think, I mean, we're watching this from the lens of 2020 where there are six Terminator movies. So, like, it's a commonality for us, but I think at the time in 1984, you had, like, RoboCop, but that was as close as you got to this so they really had to kind of like lay the groundwork for what this was at the time so we do see the landscape of machines taking over earth rolling over piles of human skulls which is metal as fuck it is <laughs> then we do get the crawl and mind you this is in the midst of original trilogy star wars so a crawl was kind of normalized at that point yeah and it says the machines rose from the ashes of the nuclear fire their war to exterminate mankind had raged for decades but the final battle would not be fought in the future it would be fought here in our present tonight tonight which is fucking great i know it's such a great ago. opening yeah tonight 40 years yeah, 40 ago 40 years ago, ago. Oh Blaine, please yeah yeah, no, I, I do love that in all of the Terminator movies, there's a gratuitous amount of skulls in piles just laying yes. around. Just begging to be run over by tank tread. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> there's no, no other skeleton parts. It's just, just skulls. Yeah. Like all the machines just stack them. Yeah. You never see a femur, the humorous, any of that. It's just skulls. <laughs> just skulls. <laughs> well, then if it was made today, they would be six feet apart. <laughs> <laughs> With cloth masks. Just, just blowing in the wind. Still around the skull. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but so we get the opening titles and the opening score, which is legendary. Da -da 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 -da. Okay, so real quick tangent. But when I went to church camp when I was like, you know, 12 or something, oh, there was a piano camps. in our cabin. I love church <laughs> camp. Yeah. And they Same. had a piano at our cabin. And I taught myself the Terminator theme song <laughs> on the piano at church camp. Uh, oh. That's my story. So you uh, <laughs> you were real popular is what you're saying at church camp. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> I, I have some notes we'll get to in fun facts. But that means that you would have taught yourself the T2 score. 
at camp because the T1 score is unplayable by humans. <laughs> but the, yeah, the time signature is 1316 for this movie score. As a drummer, that hurts me in a very real way. Yeah, yeah. It's, it can pretty much only be done computerized. And then when they made T2, they moved it into a 6-8 time signature. Nice. So. Yeah, can, I can work with 6-8. Yeah. Yeah. But 1316, good luck. The music stuff just went right over my head. But it's a cool sound. Yeah, song. <laughs> Blaine, I'm with you. Welcome to the podcast where I just shut up for five minutes when they're like talking about their <laughs> middle schools or whatever. You're talking to a high school band president, Mikey. Excuse me. <laughs> Oh, man. <laughs> and uh, as my vice president, Mikey, I'm going to need you to overturn the election and put it in my favor. <laughs> you just want me to find 11 trombone votes? <laughs> <laughs> one more extra than you need. Yeah, just one more. <laughs> so we cut to a garbage truck extending its arms down to pick up a dumpster. And we get a new title card that says Los Angeles, California, 1984, 152 a.m. Can you imagine living in this neighborhood where the garbage truck is coming to take the dumpsters at 1.52 a.m.? And it's not a quiet dumpster. Can I, Mikey? I do live in this neighborhood, <laughs> Is that how Mikey? late they come? <laughs> they, they come at all different times. Oh. Uh, for a while, ours used to come at like 3 or 4 in the morning. Now I think it's like 7. Yeah. But it's, there's that many dumpsters that it's all the time. So, you know, you, you just get used to a lot humanity. of noise. <laughs> I do the transition like in the with the claw from the garbage can after seeing like yeah. the cold open with the robots. Like it, that's that's a great segue. It this, is. Cameron's so freaking good. Like this is a masterfully oh, yeah. done yeah. movie. They actually do it twice. Because they do it again in Kyle's dream sequence, but it works both times. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yes. Anyway, so the truck dies. There's a breeze as lightning crackles and strikes the truck. The garbage man runs away. Good plan. He says what the hell like four times first. He says it twice, and it's it's the same ADR <laughs> it is. line. It's, yes. like, it's like Harrison Ford saying Boba Fett. Boba Fett. Where? Yeah. <laughs> and he's got a stogie in his mouth. I like this guy quite a bit. Peek behind the curtain. This is why I kind of liked... Genesis, which is the fifth one, because they shot for shot recreate the first 20 minutes of this movie. It's and they're so film tight. faithful to it. It's fucking great. Yeah. Um, That's the movie cool. is dog shit. But I just, as somebody who like <laughs> loves Terminator 1 so much to see it like recreated modern day, even like the 80 yard lines, I was obsessed. There's so. something about special effect lightning in this time period that is like really great. And I, I, I don't feel like we see it anymore. But Mikey, it's force lightning. That's why you love it. It is very much just force <laughs> lightning. The same blue. Yeah, it's like Emperor Palpatine <laughs> force light. I love it so much. Wait, did the, in this one, did they do the thing where the time bubble no. cuts a hole? Okay, that was that was T2. Yeah, so right, I, yeah, I was looking at that. So it didn't, yeah, it didn't cut into the cement or anything. No, the, the, yeah, no, the pavement. That, that comes in, in T2. And in T2, they actually do a thing where there's like the bubble and it like scoops out a bit of a wall at one point where it just like, like a truck. Yeah. Yeah. Now the camera angles on where the lightning originated and there's a naked man crouched in the street he stands emotionless this is the terminator yeah you guys said in the predator thing that that's prime arnold i think like this and conan this is prime this is like mr yeah. universe arnold fucking mm. huge he's he, huge he looks great in this movie yeah he does he's he, he's real i mean he's huge but he's almost like puffy in this movie i feel like predator arnold is still huge but just like shredded i get that i do love that we get to see everything on arnold in this like in this opening sequence yeah we see butts and we see nuts like we see everything <laughs> <laughs> 
Nuts and butts. Nuts and butts, baby. That was in the uh, the rated R for butts yeah. and nuts. <laughs> <laughs> That's something that comes up in later movies where whenever Arnold comes back for a Terminator movie, they either recycle the footage from this movie or he trains like crazy to appear nude again. It's like a question every time they make a new one as to whether or not he is going to be nude again in Terminator. Does he do his own dick work? Yeah. I didn't know that. Okay, cool. Good for you, Arnold. No stunt dicks here. He works out everything. <laughs> this is like pre-huge superstar Arnold. So yep. like he's fucking going for it in this movie. Yes. Like his physicality and everything. Like he was like, I'll do whatever. Oh, yeah. I, I got to make a name for myself. And he, it comes across in his performance. Well, and he was almost cast as like three or four different things in this movie. So the fact that he ends up as the Terminator really? is wild. Oh, I'm so stoked for the trivia part of this because this, yeah. this movie is like littered with good fun facts. Yeah. Oh, the when I tell you who the original, <laughs> the two original casting choices for Terminator, because there were two, two different people that were cast and went through part of pre-production as Terminator before it's Arnold, you're going to lose your mind. It's laughable. <laughs> it is wild. Uh, but originally they brought uh, Arnold in for Kyle Reese. Which like would not work at all. I don't no. think. It would. Okay. As someone with an intense, intense crush on on Michael Bean in this movie, no. Paige, same. He looks the way I want to look. I look at him and I'm like, I think I could maybe get there. Fully knowing I could never do that. <laughs> You're like, I can't be Arnold, but I can be a guy who looks like he's been in war for like 20 years. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I could if. Yeah, your feet are already there. <laughs> Rude. <laughs> Brutal. Rude. Brutal. Yeah. Okay. So the Terminator approaches a group of hooligans, including I was about to rest say, in peace, Bill Paxton. He's the first oh. person to get killed by the Terminator. He is the first person to get killed by the Terminator. Yeah, he gets fucking fisted by the Terminator. Yeah, he gets fisted <laughs> he to death. Yeah. Bill Paxton's great in this, and I also love thinking about Arnold and his working relationship, like true lies. And yeah. I think when Bill Paxton passed away, Arnold was like, That guy was a good friend. And I was like, Oh yeah. yeah. I love Bill Paxton. Yeah, Bill Paxton's great. He's such a dick in this movie. He's like such a like, early, early role Bill Paxton. I find it funny <laughs> that I feel like his character in this has that same kind of energy as <gasps> a is, I think is alien yes. where he's like, it's over, man. I was going to say Chet. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Uh, but anyway, they make fun of him for being naked and he just says, your clothes, give them to me. I can't do it. I cannot do an Arnold impression. Your clothes, give them to me. And they make fun of him. They say, fuck you, asshole, which is how the Terminator learns that phrase for later in the movie, which yeah. is great. And Bill Paxton tries to stab him, and he literally punches through his body. <laughs> Not the last time he will use power fists in this movie. Yeah. That guy yeah. punches everything, and it's awesome each time. Uh, the other hooligans surrender their clothes, as asked. Uh, we cut to downtown in an alleyway where a person experiencing homelessness watches as lightning crackles through the alley. A naked man crashes to the ground, clearly in pain. This is Kyle Reese. His back is scarred. He is far from the perfect Terminator we just saw. He is clearly no match for him, I would say. He's got, like, butthole scars on his back yeah, and stuff. Yeah, <laughs> his, no. his back is messed up. Yeah. yeah, he jogs up to the man in the alley and takes his pants <laughs> This is something that is also repeated in Genesis, 
the line of like, hey, took my pants. <laughs> and they use the same ADR. Oh, yeah. And I just remember seeing Genesis in theaters and losing my mind that that was still there. I got to see Genesis. What are your thoughts on your first impression of the present being putting on a homeless man's pants? So now, I mean, A, I'm bummed because like that homeless guy probably really needed those pants. But right? also I was just like, oh, man, the fact that A, they would fit perfectly. He lucks out. Yeah. <laughs> and and B, the fact that they stayed together and on for the rest of the movie. Is these the pants he wears for the rest of the movie? The rest of the movie. And the reason I know that is because late because I was looking for it now because I was like, oh, my God, does he ever get new pants? No. Later in the <laughs> hotel room, because this movie only takes place over a day and a half. Yeah. Later in the hotel room, he turns and it's got the same paint splatters on it. So these are the same pants for the rest of the movie. So you have to imagine that he was not smelling great when they had this sex scene. I, Absolutely I was not. Total in total agreement. Like I was like, Michael Bean might smell like shit, and he's also <laughs> yeah. has no underwear the entire movie. Right? Yeah. So he's running and it's just flopping around in there, and he's yeah. just like, ah, and ow. they raw dog. <laughs> like they are going at it. Yeah. Like there's a smell issue for sure when they're going at it. You think that's how he finds them? Well, no, no, no. This is post. This is post shower. I think that's true. They do shower. She oh, showers shower? at least. Yeah. We have to assume that he also showers. Oh, I only thought she showered. We don't know. There is a time gap where they make the pipe bombs and then we cut to later that evening. These are the important questions I wanted to talk about during the podcast. This is an important question. You're absolutely right. And I did think about that as well. But then I also thought about like in the future, he probably hasn't showered in months because they're living like under the city in the sewers. Yeah. So I'm sure he smells to high heaven. Cause like, I don't think time travel is going to shower you. No, he's like <laughs> freaking sweating his butt off when he comes out and stuff. I have my head cannon is that the teleportation thing, they teleport to the exact same place that they teleported from, but in the future, so like oh. the observatory is like a robot headquarters and then whatever that alleyway, like that's another time machine. That makes sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it is Griffith Observatory and then it's downtown. And the rest of this movie, with the exception of the motel and a couple of other things, takes place in like a six to 12 block radius downtown yeah. that you could still drive and walk if you wanted to. Like it's actually kind of cool and it factors into the making of the movie later on. Um, but it's right where my office used to be pre-COVID. And so I used to drive past where Tech Noir was like all the time. So it'd be super cool if they bought that place and turned it into an actual bar named Tech Noir. Yeah. There's been a Tech Noir pop-up bar before. That's oh. awesome. Oh. Yeah. They should do Terminator walking tours in that area. Like, I just want to see a bunch of tourists on segways going around. The, like, this is where John <laughs> Connor was made. It's not the <laughs> safest uh, area. That's yeah, yeah, and yeah. it wasn't at the time. And that's how they could afford to film there. Like that, that actually is a reason. The police arrive to investigate the lightning in the middle of an alley and he takes off running. He ducks into an alcove and manages to shove one of the police chasing him against a car. And this is where we get the iconic line of what day is it? What year? Um, and the cop is like, what? What, are, what? What is happening? Well, I mean, the cop is confused, but he knows he has to get back in time to a specific date and time. Yeah, I do like that they shot this pretty much exactly where a few years later they shot the They Live fight scene between Rowdy Roddy Piper and Keith David. Oh, uh, iconic. I think they actually did. <laughs> I know. Like, it I, looks think, just I think you're like right. It. I think it's it, like a block or two away. <laughs> that's so cool. <laughs> 
It's also it's where they shot uh, sections of the movie Drive as well. Love now that I will movie. say that these police are very motivated to catch this guy who hasn't committed a crime. I mean, he stole that guy's pants, but they took off before knowing the facts about the pants. Well, yeah. he also stole his gun, which yes. I thought was funny because when the other guys show up, he's like, "He's got my gun," and he's like, "Why are you giving orders? You lost your gun." <laughs> That's like, what yeah. I'd be embarrassed. The, <laughs> the amount of police firearms that are stolen in this movie and how easily they are stolen is mind-blowing. But is it inaccurate? I think today it would be pretty tough. Yeah, That's I don't fair. think they get a lot of firearms stolen. No, no, no. I mean, but in the 80s, like, it didn't look like they had a lot of, like, safety mechanisms. We'll get to it in, in just a scene, but it, he steals a shotgun. Oh, yeah, he just takes it out of the car. They're definitely locked by key in the cars. But they weren't in this movie, though. That's what I was asking. Like, because it looked like it was just, like, stuck in place. And he just, like, grabs the shotgun and walks away. I was like, oh, that's not safe. Yeah. I bet LAPD watched the movie and they're like, ah, oh, shit, we should probably <laughs> They use it as a training video. <laughs> the people who made Grand Theft Auto watched it and they're like, yeah, that's how it works. Yeah, just, that's You that, know, that's weapons it. are just lying around. That's just it. take them. And then you take totally. your money back. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so he takes the policeman's gun and runs through the alley finally ducking into a discount clothing store which is actually kind of how we know what blocks they used downtown i just love that he grabs some nike vandals from a goddamn bargain bin yeah i yes. cannot get my hands on those shoes they are so expensive well blaine you might be in luck because so he crawls across the floor he grabs the nike vandals from a bargain bin hilarious now, in 2015, when they recreated this scene for Genesis, because this is another scene that gets recreated shot for shot in Genesis, mm -hmm. they got Nike to do a limited release of the Vandal that looks exactly like it. And there are some still available. They are very expensive, but I can send you a website where I did find some. So he ducks into a photo booth and changes before climbing the escalator to the upper floor and then climbing out the fire escape, basically dropping down behind a parked police cruiser, which is completely abandoned and completely unlocked, where he steals a shotgun from the car and then just walks off calmly down the street <laughs> why do you think he didn't change pants in the in the store i asked myself that question too <laughs> like he did not have time he was being chased by the police i feel like his standards are low for like the quality of clothing that guy's just like he's on a mission he's got to get moving he he smells like shit in the future he's gonna smell like shit in the past yeah he was like <laughs> pants check move on i need the vandals i need you know whatever he's moving he's moving too quick mikey he runs down the sidewalk to a phone booth and looks up a name in the attached phone book which which like made me feel super old because when was the last time you saw one of those? For sure. He pulls the page out after looking up a name. We don't see what name it is actually in this portion. It's not until the Terminator looks up the phone book that we see the name. Yeah. We cut to a young woman on a moped. She arrives at her job at a burger restaurant. As she walks inside, she tells the statue out front, guard it for me, big buns, which is <laughs> such a random non sequitur that I just love that <laughs> it's it only exists in this movie. It was never recreated for a sequel. So this wasn't in Genesis is what you're saying? It's not in Genesis, no. Boo. Uh, because in Genesis, Sarah Connor already knows that they're coming to kill her, so she has to save Kyle Reese. It's a weird, cool flip-flop. Oh, nice. Genesis, she's already like T2 Linda Hamilton, Sarah Connor. I gotta yeah. see Genesis. It's a weird one. I hated it. I think I watched it once and was like, there's cool parts. And then I mostly just don't like this. <laughs> Is this before or after Phil Collins made the switch from drummer to lead singer? <laughs> <laughs> I think this is pre. 
That's a joke for everyone but Mikey. So this is Sarah Connor. She clocks in and we cut to the machine, Arnold Schwarzenegger, who punches through a car window and steals a car. If you watch like movies now, when someone punches through a car window, the whole window like explodes. When he does it in this movie, it looks like it's real glass yeah. because it's sort of spider webs, which is what glass is supposed to do in cars. So it doesn't like cut you up if you get in a wreck. So I was like really impressed with that window break because it looks like it's much stronger glass than you would see like Matt Damon do in like the Bourne movies. Where it's not just like sugar glass. Yeah, yeah. I'm betting. Well, it, that might have been sugar glass because now I th- nowadays I think they use like a small explosive thing and they time it to where when yeah. they hit, it, you're not even hitting it. The glass has already exploded. And yeah. it just looks like you did it. But mm. yeah, punches that, punches the the steering wheel. Dude, <laughs> oh, just, that, just punching everything. There is nothing in Arnold Schwarzenegger's life that cannot be solved by a punch. Yeah, <laughs> the ter- Terminator is basically a rock'em sock'em robot. Just huge. <laughs> a murderous rock'em sock'em. Hell yeah. <laughs> Same body type, too. Oh, just like yeah. a, a giant square with fists. And his head just goes whoosh off whenever he gets hit. So back at the restaurant, Sarah's got a busy shift. She ends up spilling on a customer. A kid dumps a scoop of ice cream in her pocket. And then her friend, who is the worst, comes over and says, well, just think about it. In 100 years, who's going to care? I mean, technically, a lot of people, as we will find out later in this yeah, movie. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. But not about the ice cream scoop, Paige. That's true. That's true. <laughs> I was going to say, Paige, do you ever just go to that restaurant and just dump uh, ice cream scoops in the waitress's pockets? I think it's a different restaurant now, and it uh. doesn't have big buns out front which is kind of a bummer but you can go to that restaurant and you can go to where tech noir was although i think it's a retail store now but (laughs) so we cut back to arnold schwarzenegger who pulls up outside a pawn and gun shop and asks to see multiple guns uh and lists off a bunch of like normal guns in our reality but then says phased plasma rifle in a 40 watt range and the guy was like just what you see yeah (laughs) and the guy was um the guy from gremlins it's futterman from gremlins yeah he's such a good everyman yes he is i did like that he is completely unfazed by the request for a plasma rifle or whatever he's like yeah i just whatever you see behind me i don't have any of that shit (laughs) you're clearly crazy but whatever and then he proceeds to give him a shotgun this guy who is crazy yeah. It doesn't go so well for Mr. Futterman. Yeah. Well, and he does tell him that for the handguns, it'll be a 15 day wait because this is California. Yeah. But the rifle's not so much, Paige. Take those home today. I bet that's changed. That is definitely changed. Yeah. Yeah. You can't take shit home today in California. <laughs> you can apply and they'll be like, we'll consider it. Uh, come on down to Texas. We got all the guns you <laughs> yeah. need. Day of. We watch as the machine loads the gun and just shoots the store owner and takes everything. We cut to Kyle Reese, who saws the handle off the stolen shotgun and ties it so he can wear it around his shoulder, which is pretty cool. It's like perfectly concealed in his like coat. Well, I think it's just kind of juxtaposing between the machine who doesn't care about killing people so he can just immediately get as many guns as he wants. Yeah. Versus Kyle, who is limited to what he can find ideally without hurting people. And this is what it is. And and keeping it secret. There's like a theory that. Uh, and like this is headcanon stuff but like the terminator sounds austrian because they're like we'll program him to sound foreign that way when he looks weird because he's a goddamn robot and won't blend in with humans 
since he's in a foreign country, people will be like, oh, okay, this guy's a little off, but it's because he's from a different country. Oh. Which I, which I thought was an interesting theory. That is, and I think that's something they used to kind of justify Arnold in it, but in the original script, the Terminator was supposed to look a lot like Kyle Reese, just like a nondescript everyman. Huh. He wasn't even supposed to be strong. He was supposed to be just this, like, faceless person in a crowd, which made it even scarier because yeah. you never know who it is. You never know who's coming after you, which I think they really do in T2. Yeah. Yeah. He's, you know, the cop and he can change into anything. And I do think that as much as this is a horror movie and as scary as it is, T2 really ups the notch villain wise in a way that really would serve a horror movie. But instead, it's an action movie, which is kind of interesting. I mean, I think I would have loved this movie if Kyle Reese, like parent trapped it. And played both parts. I'd be on board for that. Oh, oh, where he's also the machine? Yeah. Oh, see, that'd be pretty interesting. Well, no, it wouldn't. You could automatically tell because the robot wouldn't smell as bad. You don't know that. <laughs> it's it's living tissue over a cybernetic organism. The whole like parent trap thing, they also kind of do that in Terminator 2 and all yeah. of the other ones yeah. where there's a disguise and you're like, which one do I shoot? But yep. then Linda <laughs> Hamilton just be like that uh, Risk A song and be like, let me smell your Yo, dick. <laughs> but robot dick versus regular dick, what do you choose? Robot dick Oof. every time. I've got a regular dick. I go robot <laughs> I every time. I would pick the person just because I like the, the pillow talk. <laughs> Mikey's more of a cuddler. <laughs> yeah, the emotions. <laughs> it, it is tough to cuddle with a machine. Although I will argue at the end of this movie, Kyle Reese pulls a Mikey move and fakes his death to get away from raising John Connor and staying with Linda Hamilton. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> What would you do if a sequel was old Kyle Reese being like, I faked my death in front of your mother so I could come back and help you with the machines? <laughs> I wouldn't hate it. I'd buy it. He was just like, I didn't know doing that would make a baby. <laughs> it does imply that it's his first time. Yeah, he, right? he is heavily a virgin, yeah, yeah. yes. So Arnold Schwarzenegger heads to a phone booth where he pulls the book looks up Sarah Connor, and then pulls that page. He arrives at a house running over a toy truck. Interesting fact about that toy truck that he runs over. Is it the truck from T2? No, it's the <laughs> truck later in the movie that explodes and oh. almost kills him. It's also perfect spot on parking, and I'm pretty sure that Arnold was the one that did that, which I'm just like, oh yeah, it's good pretty stuff. Pretty much everyone in this movie, for a lot of stuff, does their own stunts because they didn't have money for other stuff. Oh. So like Linda Hamilton does does almost all of her stunts in this and in T2. She just got like shredded for it. Yeah, she's a badass, um, man. But yeah. Pull-ups like crazy. Yeah. Yeah, it just makes it more admirable yeah. when you watch it. When you know that it's her cocking and firing a gun with one arm, you're just like, mad respect. Yeah, yeah. So he walks calmly up to the house past a dog who goes nuts. This is the first time that we see dogs react to a Terminator, but it's going to come back a lot later. Yeah. A woman answers the door. He asks if she's Sarah Connor. She says yes. He breaks through the door and shoots her in the head. It's insane. And then shoots her like, he shoots her six times. Like he, he pulls the Sam Lewis <laughs> yeah. is all I'm trying to say. Hey Paige, since you live in LA, do you ever just like drive out to that neighborhood and go to that house and just like open the door and like shoot the neighborhood? <laughs> and just, shoot him? just, you know, just cause you like such a huge Terminator fan. I do drive through that neighborhood sometimes uh, because the houses are very cute and there's a lot of cute stuff around it uh, because this and 
we don't see him really kill the other Sarah Connor, but it's implied that he kills two. Mm-hmm. And they're in a neighborhood in the valley. So it's like Burbank area where he kills them. But there's just toy trucks all over the road. It's all really over annoying. The road. <laughs> just, littering the sidewalks. <laughs> it's bad. Ah, my uh, undercarriage. <laughs> We cut back to Sarah's job at the diner where the TV in the break room is airing a news story regarding another Sarah Connor being shot to death. Yeah, and her friend is the worst because her friend goes to get Sarah and she's like, come back here. You'll love this. Someone who has your exact name just got fucking murdered. Isn't that awesome? This mother of two. (laughs) Yeah, she's fucking dead. You're going to love it. (laughs) Isn't that awesome? No, you psychopath. What is wrong with her? Okay, but Todd, would you go get your friend, though? If, like, Mikey, I would definitely get you. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, you would send your friend the link. Like, look, someone died. You know, someone got murdered and has your name. I do love that the COVID allegory for going to get your friend in the office now is send them the link. (laughs) So we cut from there to Kyle Reese hot wiring a car next to a construction site where he kind of looks at the big construction machines and it does remind him of the future machines where we get a dream sequence about the future world that he came from. You didn't think Terminator was going to tackle PTSD, but it does, guys. Yeah, it does. Yeah, I do want to point out that Kyle Reese just went in, broke into a car, hot wired it and then fell asleep in that same car. (laughs) Exactly (laughs) where it was sitting. Like if the owner came back. Yeah, nobody comes back. Get the fuck out of here, dude. You smell like shit. Get out of my car. I'm never going to get this out of these seats. He's had a rough day, guys. Leave him alone. So we cut to the future where he is a soldier in the dystopian skull fields. And he and his team move across what I can only describe as the aggro crag as machines shoot at them. It, it does looks look exactly aggro. like Yeah, yeah, yeah. it does. Absolutely, Paige. Yeah. <laughs> absolutely oh. does. Yeah. Agro Craig came after. So they probably were like, what if we just made it look like Terminator? <laughs> so he tosses a grenade under a machine. His partner tries to do the same, but she's shot with a laser and vaporized instantly. It's brutal. Only thing left is her skull that will later be crushed by tank tread. And then John Connor <laughs> looks at her in disgust like, ugh, it's called cover. Not strong enough. Yeah. yeah. Doesn't he also get into a car that has a machine gunner on it? And like, he does. it's like I'm a Mad sure Max car. Kyle yeah. fucking killed that guy. The machine yes! didn't kill him. He broke his spine. The yeah. gunner is dead. He so he climbs into a like a Mad Max style dune buggy. Did you see that though? Because that is legit choreographed. Because Kyle Reese jumps in through the windshield as the guy in the driver's seat is transitioning to the back where the gun is. If that was Mikey yeah. and me, I would have jumped through the windshield and Mikey would have been like oh was I supposed to move and now it's just fully two grown men sitting in the driver's seat let's talk about the tactics of this scene so Kyle Reese and his squad are stealthily attacking this robot tank and they succeed and then he's like after we blow up the tank I want you screeching up here with the car as so we can blow the stealth and just shoot at stuff on the way out it's gonna look super cool Yeah, blast Metallica when you do it (laughs) yeah (laughs) And leave the other two people behind. Yeah. Yeah. So my theory, and we could get into this more whenever we get to more driving chase scenes. I don't think Kyle Reese has a driver's license because he's living in a dystopian future. So he drives like shit and doesn't know how to drive. Yeah. So he's just like everywhere he's going, they're rocking all over the place. Well, yeah, he can't drive on streets. Like he's routinely driving on the wrong side of the road. Yeah. Throughout most of the movie. 
which I have some notes and fun facts about why as far as like filming. But I do think that's a good explanation of he he can drive, but not on roads, like not the way we do. He was born after the war when like where we're going, there are no roads, I guess. Where he's yeah. going, Paige, they don't need roads. They don't need roads. <laughs> but so he does climb inside of the car. Our roads are skulls. they drive off he hits a piece of debris possibly a skull and the car flips killing the gunner and trapping kyle underneath the wreckage blaine's right that gunner was dead way before the car flips yeah he does get shot a couple times no it's the car jerking around his neck's going back and forth (laughs) he's like yeah They, I mean, the fact that the car doesn't get vaporized from the amount of times it gets shot is a little wild as well, but he definitely dies in the wreckage. And yeah. Didn't he leave somebody behind who was throwing the grenades? Like, what happened to that person? No, she got vaporized, bro. Welcome to the conversation. <laughs> no, no, no. I think there was a third person who threw grenades. They see a group of people that's another squad, but they don't move with them. With the good sergeant who's like, yeah. So that's Sergeant Reese. This is not going to go well. <laughs> Regardless, he wakes up in that car he hot wired and just sat in with a start yep. and realizes that it's just the construction machines. He's not back in the future. He puts the car in drive and drives off into the night. We cut to Sarah's apartment where her roommate is getting ready for a date and Sarah is blow drying her hair. The phone rings, Sarah answers, and it's kind of like a pervy, like phone sexy kind of voice. And it's clearly the roommate's boyfriend, but Sarah acts like it's the wrong number. Hilarious joke. I thought it was great. It was very funny. He just goes, Sarah, uh, can I talk to Ginger, please? (laughs) And she hands the phone over and then he starts his like, sexy spiel all over again from the same <laughs> hysterical love it though yeah it's great <laughs> wait so is the root is the terrible uh co-worker that is like laughing about people dying is that the same is is that ginger no i don't Ginger's think so. just okay. the roommate yeah. yeah got it we never see that co-worker again yeah she escapes justice <laughs> she escapes. Uh, no it's it's ginger who never takes her headphones off i have thoughts. never there's a scene where she fully should have I've never tried that, but I mean, maybe she's onto something. <laughs> Although her boyfriend was unfazed. He was like, yeah, you keep listening to Paula Abdul or whatever. Listen to an yeah, this is clearly yeah. their norm. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> He's like, let me just bang this out real quick. <laughs> <laughs> what if she just hates his moans? <laughs> Some people make weird noises. Yeah, He's Mikey, like, that's fair. Sounds like a Tuscan Raider. They have sex single file to hide their numbers. Well, that's the grossest joke for the podcast. You're welcome, guys. (laughs) Uh, But we cut to the police station where the captain and his sergeant. So uh, the sergeant is Lance Henriksen, who will go on to be in Aliens and a bunch of other stuff. He's great. I have some notes on it, but. Essentially, the production option and funding for Terminator was secured with him as Terminator. Wow. It's wild. Oh. And I, I can't yeah. imagine how shitty he felt. Like, he was like, yeah, I'll do this movie still. But fuck, that could have been me. Yeah. Well, and he's in. If you ever look at concept art from Terminator, it's all him. So, like, early concept art, like the drawings for costumes, all kinds of stuff is Lance Henriksen. Which is really interesting. That's amazing. Yeah. But he and the captain talk amongst each other basically about how now they have a second dead girl who is also named Sarah Connor. And they're worried about telling the press 
because they're pretty sure the news is going to go nuts. So we cut back to Sarah's apartment. Ginger's hair is fabulous. It's everything I aspire to in life. (laughs) I love it. Her perm has a perm, guys. Her perm has a perm, and I'm here for it. Yeah, it's amazing. It's great. My mom had that haircut in the 80s. Uh, We meet her iguana, Pugsley, which don't know why it's included in the movie, but that that lizard turns up a couple different places. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, she's the worst roommate ever for leaving her lizard out when she's not home. I mean, I don't know why you would ever just have a lizard out, but- Counterpoint. It's the 1980s in Los Angeles. That apartment's fucking swamped with insects. <laughs> that is very, duty. very possible. That is. <laughs> that makes sense. But we see that Sarah's getting ready for a date in the momest sweater. She looks like she's about to teach second grade on this date. <laughs> and so I'm like, with that sweater and this iguana, no wonder your date cancels. Yeah. This is a hot mess. Fun fact, Paige. <laughs> they actually changed her mode of transportation from moped. They ended with moped. The original one was going to be a magic school bus. <laughs> <laughs> that is what she looks like. You know, when Dan, the guy that canceled on Sarah Connor, canceled mm-hmm. his date, he jeopardized humanity. That guy he is did. such a dick in his Ferrari uh, or Porsche or whatever. He yeah, he had. has a Porsche. Uh, yeah. yep. But honestly, it probably saves his life. Yeah, it saves his life for sure. Yeah. But could you imagine, because he says he's going to call her in the next couple days. Can you imagine what that phone call is like two days later? (laughs) Hey, how you been? (laughs) I'm the mother of the future. Okay, so no for Saturday? (laughs) There's someone else, but they're dead. (laughs) (laughs) I left you alone for two days. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm pregnant now. (laughs) I'm pregnant now. Because he never misses. Uh, so she, she, but so she changes out of her date clothes to go to Holy a movie. Shit. She runs into the roommate's boyfriend outside. He's a little like handsy with her. He like kisses her on the cheek and he stuff. He kisses like... her on the cheek, but she doesn't seem bothered by it. So I almost felt like they were just close, and this is just a facet of their relationship. I guess. I made that note too, and I was like, I guess this is back in the '80s when you just kind of kissed your friends. I don't know. You guys don't kiss your friends. Yeah. Well, everything's different now because we're in a fucking pandemic, and germs are horrifying. Mikey got yeah. the vaccine, so I'll fully kiss Mikey on the mouth next time I see I, him. I've been kissing everybody since I got it. Oh, Mikey, I'm gonna kiss you. I'm coming <laughs> yeah. to Nashville, bud. We just met, but let's do it. <laughs> Not my first time. <laughs> oh no. So Sarah gets on her moped and looks around the parking lot. And she does seem to kind of be a little suspicious of the dark parking lot. But she seems to believe that everything is all clear. So she takes off. But we reveal that Kyle is there and he follows her in his car. And I think this movie does a really good job of not letting us know who's safe and who's not yet. Like it's a solid half hour into the movie before we can define who's really trying to hurt Sarah and who's trying to help Sarah. I don't I didn't think about that. Terminator 2 does that super well where you have no clue, but in this one you can kind of deduce based on the fact that the Terminator that Schwarzenegger fucking gatted a woman in her own home. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's yeah. true. But we also know that Kyle has a gun and is also looking for Sarah. So That's true. He is shifty looking. You could assume that maybe he's just another Terminator. He's got those pants. <laughs> So we cut to the police station and the press is there and they're asking questions like, did you realize that the killings happened in the order of the phone book? They've been trying to call Sarah, but they can't reach her because cell phones didn't exist yet. And it keeps going to the answering machine, but nobody answers because Ginger and Matt are fucking with headphones on. I do feel like Ginger is addicted 
to the headphones kind of like kids these days are addicted to cell phones and stuff because she has does not put them down i was thinking i was like okay if i was sleeping with a girl and she was wearing headphones i think that that would be okay if it was like hey let's try this out right but i feel like i would feel like such a dick if i was like having sex with my ipod or my airpods in They'd be like a total American psycho, like looking into a mirror. (laughs) She's in her own world and he just happens to be there, which is a little strange. Blaine, it would be even worse if you just put on your own podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Just good morning from hell. (laughs) But like make her listen to it like she's the only one wearing the headphones. (laughs) You're like, I've heard this episode. Just you enjoy it while I enjoy you. (laughs) (laughs) Regardless, they, they don't answer the phone. They can't get a hold of Sarah. And so the police decide that they're going to talk to the press in hopes that if they get on TV, maybe Sarah will call them. So we cut to a pizza restaurant where Sarah is eating what looks like a full Italian feast by herself. She's got like pizza and pasta and breadsticks and salad on the table. Listen, Paige, she got stood up. She's fully in her feelings and she is eating her way to happiness. And you should stop shaming her about that. She's carb loading for the night ahead because she's going (laughs) to have to run a lot. That is true, actually. So she has them turn up the TV. Because she's like, uh, that's my name. Oh, no. Uh, she rushes to the phone booth and looks and pulls the book, looks up her own name. But the phone is dead. She's next on the list as far as the phone book. You goes. might as well call her Sarah Goner. Oh, Jesus. Oh. Yes. Wow. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, Mikey Randolph. Yeah, I got to get going. I'm sorry. <laughs> Thanks for having me on the episode. I wrote that joke. So <laughs> I do like that everyone at that bar fucking hates her. Yes. And yes. I felt especially bad for the one guy that was in. In the 20 to 30 40 seconds scene where she's at the phone booth and he's just sitting there in the background staring at her yeah yes that extra probably had a shit day because he was like he got that direction and he was like shit what do i do with this like, yeah. i just gotta mm-hmm. s- stare at this woman. well because he looks like he's waiting for the phone yes but then the phone clearly doesn't work so he gives her this look of just like read the sign but like why is he standing there then it's just it's strange yeah so she walks out into the street And sees Kyle and notices that he's been following her. So she ducks into a club. This is Tech Noir. And he appears to follow but actually keeps walking. She pays the cover for the club and heads back inside to the back of the club to use the phone. She calls, but all the police lines are busy. It was a $4.50 cover. That sucks. That club sucks. Because then everybody's got to whip out change. Yeah. <laughs> Who's got change for a cover? Like the club itself would have to have massive amounts of change because everyone comes in and slaps down a five. Yeah. And they have to give them the 50 cents. And that's what she uses for the phone. But that just means that, like, if you're that club, you're just constantly getting paper money and giving out coins. So she's got to have just like a bucket of quarters to make that worth it. Just make it five dollars. They go to the bank every night, drop off a shitload of money and get a shitload of like coins. Yeah, just buy them in the rolls. (laughs) So we cut back to the apartment and we see the police cruiser that was sent to check for Sarah leaves and then we see Arnold Schwarzenegger walk towards the apartment we cut inside where Ginger gets up Matt's asleep Ginger gets up to make a snack still with her headphones on yeah she can't hear anything yeah she can't hear anything we get a tiny iguana jump scare because it's on top of the fridge because there's just a loose iguana in this apartment how's it gonna hunt for insects if it's in a cage a terrarium if you will true but then that means that every once in a while you're making a sandwich and there's just something on top of the fridge like (laughs) 
<laughs> Paige, I have five cats, and one of them really likes the top of the fridge, so that's my life. Are you sure it's not an iguana that you just call a cat? No, I turned that into a belt. <laughs> oh, jeez. That's what she says. I didn't really turn anything into a belt. She says that in this movie. She's like, I'll turn you into a belt. <laughs> but while she's making that sandwich back in the bedroom, Arnold Schwarzenegger has come through the open glass door on their like patio. Yeah. Matt tries to take him out with a lamp and the machine basically beats him to death, throwing him through walls. I'll say Matt does a pretty decent job here fighting a Terminator. Like he goes, I I agree. He lasts a little bit longer than he did with Ginger. (laughs) (laughs) Dude weighs half a ton and he tackled him to the ground. Yeah. Yeah. Also, I love that he narrowly missed punching him through the fucking skull and like exploded that pill. With his fist. Oh, that yeah. was a cool effect, yeah. And meanwhile, Ginger's in the kitchen making a sandwich and a nice tall glass of milk, which is not a substance I want to drink after sex. No. I mean, a big glass of milk after sex with a PB&J would be good. Yeah. <laughs> I stand corrected. I'm I'm sorry. I uh I'm not a big foodie afterwards, so I mean, you're you're missing out on eat- eating after sex. Highly recommend. Very fun. Okay. Milk is a strange choice. But well, you're just saying that because milk doesn't go with toast coitus. Milk does go with toast, <laughs> and I'm pretty sure my husband has drank milk after. It just for me, no thank you. Got a protein back up. <laughs> <laughs> so Ginger's been in, in the kitchen making a sandwich this whole time, and she walks back to the bedroom with the plate and the sandwich, and she watches as Matt gets thrown through the wall into the hallway, dead. Oh, yeah. Very dead. Fully limp. Um, I mean, his whole body now, though. Yeah. (laughs) She tries to dive to safety and gets shot in the back. Yeah. And then tries to crawl away, and then he shoots her like three more times. Yeah, you have to assume that he thinks she's Sarah Connor, because this is her address and she's the woman there, right? Right. But he was going to kill the other dude, so then maybe for a second he was like, unconventional name for this guy, but he might be Sarah Connor. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I should punch him to the skull. So the phone rings, and the answering machine picks up, and... It's Sarah on the answering machine, and she says her name. She says, Ginger, it's me, Sarah. Here's where I am. Yeah. I think there's someone after me. Come and get me. So now he knows that the girl he killed isn't Sarah, and he knows exactly where he needs to go. Yeah. I love that scene, too, because he picks up the the journal or the contacts book and stuff like that. And he's like, he's such a machine. Yeah, he's like doing data, like, you know, Intel Mm -hmm. searching and stuff. Mm -hmm. Meanwhile, in the club, Sarah finally gets through to the police. She gives them her location as well. And they tell her to stay visible. Don't even go to the bathroom. We're on the way. So she sits down at a table. We see Arnold Schwarzenegger arrive and enter. They try to make him pay the cover and he just breaks a dude's hand. Yeah. He approaches the table and Sarah drops something right as he looks and kind of scans over where she is. Yeah. So she ducks at just the right time. Masterfully done. Yes. Yeah. This sequence of shots is so great. Yeah. I love this whole scene. Yeah. She sits up and spots Kyle at the bar and freaks out because she thinks Kyle's the one who's been following her, which he has been. Uh, the machine also spots her and approaches the table. Kyle spots him and fires in the nick of time as Sarah tries to run away. Yeah. The machine gets up and basically sprays the bar with bullets. Kyle returns fire and Sarah runs with the crowd but gets trapped as a woman is shot behind her 
and the body pins her to the floor. That's so terrifying because the Terminator's walking over to her and she's like squirming to try and get this dead lady off of her. It's insane. Or another read on the scene is Sarah cuts in front of a woman to use his bullet shield. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta survive. Yeah. It works. Dude, Arnold's physicality in this, like it really oh, yeah. is just like so solid. Like the scanning and everything. Yeah. Like yeah. everything about the scene is awesome. Also, Paige, since you live in LA, do you ever go to the place, like the, the store that is now Technoir and just like, you know, shoot it up? Just <laughs> no, I mean, I would, but it takes me like six months to get a gun. <laughs> Uh, So the machine advances on her and aims and Kyle fires multiple times, finally blasting the machine through the front window of the bar. Yeah. He turns to Sarah and says the most famous line, probably second only to I'll be back, which is just come with me if you want to live. Mm -hmm. If you go back and watch the shotgun scene, each time they cut back to Kyle shooting, he has a different face that's more hilarious than the last. (laughs) Yeah. His, He's his going like, face is wild yeah, in this movie. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So they take <laughs> off through the back of the bar, reloading as they run, which is also something I like that they do in this movie is they reload every time. Yes. Or just ditch the guns if they're out of ammo. Later in the movie, uh, when we get to them making bombs, they actually detonate the exact amount of bombs that they made. Yeah. So, like, you can count them off. That is so dope. So, this is the first place we see Terminator vision as they're taking off through the alley and he's kind of following them. It's that red screen with, like, the reticule. Yeah. Almost Mm -hmm. like a video game. Yeah. Yeah. They get into a car. Kyle shoots the gas tank of a car in front of them to make it explode to try and put some distance between them and the machine. Uh, But the machine punches through their windshield to grab Sarah before the car finally flings him off as it makes a turn in reverse. And they end up crashing into the cop cars who have just arrived, but are there moments too late. Yeah. This is the moment where his hair transitions into the buzz cut because it gets singed off and his eyebrows are gone, Mm -hmm. which is such a ballsy continuity movie. Because, like, if they cut his hair, which I'm pretty sure in the beginning of the movie is his real hair, like, Mm -hmm. they would have had to have done a wig if they needed to do pickup shots. Yeah. Right. Which I thought was, like, such a great detail. Yeah. Because he does, I mean, he just fully walks through that fire, though, so it would burn his hair off. Yeah. But I, I love this scene page because the cop gets out and is like, you know, calling for backup or whatever. And then the Terminator just gets up and kills him. Like just throws him yeah. against the car and steals his car and drives away. Headbutts him, yeah. Like it's nothing. Looks in the rear view mirror and this is where we see that he has no eyebrows. Yeah. So this is the first, you're absolutely right, the first place we're seeing that he his hair has been singed off. So Kyle, in their car, drives them through alleys and away from the machine. And he's asking Sarah questions as they're driving, like, Are you shot? Are you injured? Sarah tries to jump out of the car because she still doesn't know who he is. He he tells her, I'm here to help you. You've been targeted for termination. We cut back to the cop car where the machine is hearing the police scanner, which is telling him where their car is as other police track them. Yeah. And he's responding on the radio. This is the first time we see a machine imitate a cop's voice. Yeah, he mimics the cop he killed. Yeah. So back to Kyle's car. He's trying to explain that it is a machine. It's not a person. It's a robot, essentially a cybernetic organism. The cops come up behind him. He sideswipes them, knocking them out of the way so that the machine in a cop car actually gets closer to them and follows them down an alley. They get away and drive into a large parking garage. And he basically 
has to ditch the car, and while he's hot-wiring a new car, he's explaining Terminators further to her, that they have skin on the outside. Yeah, he's, like, dropping exposition real quick here. And that's one of the reasons I love this movie so much is because it's so fast-paced. Yeah. They're in between stealing cars. Like, they're, like, literally going from one stolen car to another. And that's where he explains sort of everything that's happening. All the questions yeah. you have up to this point, he answers really quick. And I love that. It's blistering. Yeah, yeah. it's awesome. Yeah. But it's, it makes sense because Sarah's total fish out of water. She needs to know all this information. Yeah. And I love the touch where he's like, I had to wait to move on you because he blends in so good. I didn't know who he was. Right. Like, I, I was like, that's horrifying. And like Kyle driving like a bat out of hell really sells just how fucking terrifying the Terminator is. Yeah. I will say the one plot hole of this movie <laughs> that has come up. This is the one this is the one plot hole I noticed is that they're like, we cannot tell them apart. And you know, in the future when he infiltrates the sewer and the flashback, mm-hmm. I'm like, look. If a really jacked guy comes into <laughs> the scene, you just need to pat him down. Those guys are huge. Yeah, they're yeah. all huge. You got a bunch of children who are starved and cowering, and this one, you know, another Mr. Universe, Universe comes up. They're like, you know what? Maybe we should Massive. search him. Yeah. <laughs> well, and, and it, that guy is another Mr. Universe, by the way. Is he? Is he really? Yeah. Wow. Is he? Okay. That's such a great detail. Oh my god. <laughs> He was a friend of Arnold's who was just like, yeah, come on down. Like, come be in this movie. That's awesome. (laughs) He just made my night because I was like, that guy's just another Arnold clone. And then I was like, oh. He he literally was another Mr. Universe. It doesn't take a detective to figure out who they're sending to kill you, you guys. (laughs) (laughs) Just go to any strongman competition and just mark those guys. It's going to be those guys. It just makes you not trust anybody with muscles. You're just like, they're all going to kill us. Well, then I'm safe, ladies. Are you? <laughs> I mean, you've seen you me, You are. Bitch. You're very safe. That's why you wear some running layers. <laughs> the layers are not deceiving, whereas muscles are concerned. They're not there. <laughs> so this is also where we get like the thesis statement for what I would say is the Terminator franchise, where she says, is it from the future? And he says, one possible future. Yeah. Which then becomes the impetus for the rest of the movies to be like, how do we prevent this future until part three where they're like, you can't surprise. Yeah. <laughs> Oops. I like that. He's like future, you know, like uh, alternate dimension quantum physics. That's just tech stuff. Like he, he, it's a time loop. We don't have time to explain this right now. We have to get into a car. I got to knock you up. We've got a whole list of things to do. <laughs> tech stuff. That's like, he throws time travel into that's tech stuff. He's like pants. That's tech stuff. (laughs) (laughs) We don't have pants in war. This is a point where as I was watching it, I had a really troubling revelation because again, this is one of my favorite movies. But also a few weeks ago on Romancing the Pod, we watched The Night Before Christmas yes. in which I was extremely critical of a woman who falls in love with a guy who comes from the past. And <laughs> I criticized her for believing that he had time traveled and not that he just had a severe head injury. But then in this movie, I'm like, he came across time for her and they're meant to be together. <laughs> double standard. Hey, no. a horrible double standard. <laughs> it is creepy than that because later on it's revealed I've had your picture the whole time it got me through the war <laughs> yeah I love you <laughs> I've I loved you forever you from the future you're basically a pinup to me but I love you <laughs> <laughs> so she bites his hand at one point and he says hey Terminators don't feel pain so I do please don't do that again and then he has I feel like it's an iconic line it's the he can't be reasoned with 
He can't be bargained with, and it absolutely will not ever stop until you're dead. Yeah. Doesn't feel pity or remorse. Yeah. It's so good. And she says, can you stop it? And he says, I don't know. I like that he's honest with her in this moment. He's like, I'm going to do my best, but I have no idea. I don't know if I can stop it, but I know I can get us to a motel. (laughs) Okay, I have a question. That's the best plan that he came up with before they traveled back in time from John Connor. Like do your best out there. We don't have a plan. Well, I I mean, they reveal later that it was a sudden decision, at least in this movie, it's a sudden decision in subsequent movies. People are sending people back at different times, but like in this yeah. one, it's, you know, snap decision. Allegedly, although John knows that it has to happen the whole time. Yeah. John knows Kyle's his dad, or at least Linda Hamilton says that she's going to tell him at the end of this movie. So you have to assume that he knows that he's sending his dad back. Yeah, yeah, that he's been friends with Kyle this whole time, and then he has to yeah. send his best friend back in time to raw dog his mom. Oh. Yeah, <laughs> he's sending his dad back in time to die. Like it's a suicide mission. Well, to, to, but before he dies, he's got to raw dog his mom. Yeah, it kind of sounds like a like a Pornhub video. Like guy sends guy back in time to bone his mom. <laughs> Hang on one second. Let me just do a little quick Google search on my phone. <laughs> go to DuckDuckGo and type in Terminator porn parody. Oh, there's absolutely a Terminator porn parody, but I'm pretty sure it's the robot having sex with Sarah Connor, which is not canon, and I won't have it. (laughs) I I do like the the passion in the speech, though, like being more serious, like that was what convinced Sarah Connor. Yeah. You know, like because then she was like, can you stop it? Like she was like, "Okay, I'm in. I believe now. Yeah, because she's she's in at this point, even after this point where he is. Reese is called into question and people are like, he might just be a crazy dude in really stinky pants and (laughs) consider your life choices, Sarah. Uh, And she still struggles not to believe him. Yeah. Yeah. I thought she was only halfway in at this point until the police station. No, I think she's in at this point. I think she struggles to believe the police because of what she's seen from the actual Terminator. Um, But anyway, so the actual cops in the garage pull up to Kyle's now abandoned car and they report on the police scanner So the machine follows. Kyle and Sarah find another car. He continues to give her kind of more exposition and backstory. We find out that these were defense machines. So like they were war machines that instead of just killing the people we wanted them to kill, they just killed everybody. Yeah. And this is where she finds out that the key to all of it and the key to stopping it is her unborn son. And that's why he's there to basically protect her. Uh, So he hot wires the car. They are still kind of ducking down as cops circle. And he tells her a little bit about how he grew up in the ruins after the war. And he tells her about John Connor, her son, and how he basically taught them to fight and turned the tide of the war with the machine. But as they're doing this, Arnold Schwarzenegger has, in his cop car, made it into the parking lot. So Kyle tries to start the car, finally gets it to turn over, but not before Arnold shoots out their back window. They exchange fire across the parking lot until he... That shit is so cool, when they're shooting shotgun to shotgun into each other's cars. Yeah. And Lynn Hamilton's just, like, leaning back, like, oh, God. I'll let you handle it. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, this is insane. Until Reese sideswipes him and then drives out of the parking lot, but he's hot on their tail. They're about to hit a dead end as Sarah is driving while Kyle is shooting and she manages to brake so that the car kind of fishtails, but the machine's car hits 
the dead end, ostensibly killing anybody inside if it was driven by a human. Yeah. And their car is now stalled from breaking that fast. And as they're trying to get the car to turn over again, the cops arrive and Sarah stops Kyle from shooting the cops to basically prevent him from being shot. I mean, she even says, don't do it. They'll kill you. Yeah, well, and I think part of this is, A, her not wanting him to die, but also, B, I think there's a part of her that thinks he's the only one who knows what's up. And so we yeah. can't kill him, yeah. then I'm on my own. Right. The whole chasing, like, still holds up, in my opinion. Yeah, and I think that I noticed something, too, about, again, Arnold's physicality. Every time he shoots, his eyes get wider. And I feel like there's actors who don't like blinking or wincing whenever they shoot a gun. And I think Arnold trained himself to, to not keep do his it. eyes open. <laughs> so it looks like a robot. Like, <laughs> such a cool touch. Yep. So they get out of the car and they're taken into custody. And the camera pans over to the other car and the machine is gone. They get to the police station and they're trying to calm Sarah down to get a statement, but she's now just finding out that her roommate and Matt are dead. Super sad. And she's introduced to Dr. Silverman. Now, this is played by a, a man named Earl Bowen, and he's actually in four of the six Terminator movies. He's in almost as many as Arnold is. Really? Yeah. I thought he was three. Which one was the fourth one? He's in Dark Fate. And there's a shot of like old footage in the movie so he technically is in dark fate as well yeah okay yeah. Mm -hmm. so she asks is reese crazy and he says we're gonna find out because <laughs> he's a professional psychologist he's the least professional psychologist <laughs> ever but that's why it's so fun when he shows up in all of the other movies because by the time he gets to the next one he saw some serious shit in this yeah. movie and so in the next movie, he's the one who's been treating Sarah and she ends up, I believe, stabbing him in the hand. It's fucking great. <laughs> well, he, he has like a narrow miss with the Terminator because remember, yeah. he checks his beeper yep. whenever the Terminator walks yeah. in. It's the third one where he has like PTSD. Yes, like, no, no, you're right. Yeah, the, the third one is where he's messed the fuck up. Yeah. So we cut to a dingy, it could be a motel, could be an apartment building. We don't super know. And we don't really know how the Terminator got it, although I think there is a clue in the scene because the Terminator sits at a desk and does some amateur surgery on his own arm, basically repairing the hydraulics for his fingers. Yeah. This is also a scene and a few scenes after where we see flies on him and on his skin, which for a hot second I was like, oh, is his external skin dying? Because it is living tissue on top of a machine. Yeah. But actually on this viewing, I think he killed whoever lived in that apartment. Yeah. And it's the dead body because the janitor does come by later and is like, you got a dead cat in there? No, I think it's just a dead body. That's what yeah. I think too. That he yeah. just left there. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that makes sense. We cut back to the psychiatrist who is now interviewing Reese. This is where we find out that Reese served from 2021 to 2027 as a soldier. And they all think he's crazy. I mean, to be fair, time travel. So like... This movie does the opposite that Night Before Christmas does, where in Night Before Christmas, he's like, I time traveled. And people are like, that seems weird, but you're free to go. And in this movie, they're just like, you should stay. <laughs> like, yeah. we're going to keep an eye on you. Well, the knight didn't shoot up a car chase. No, but he did steal a car and try to kill people with a sword. So, like, anyway, he basically <laughs> reveals in this section that the time travel machine is broken. So he can't get back. And nobody else can come through, allegedly. Although, you know, it's time travel, so things can always change. I thought that it was always a one-way trip. There was never any way for him to come back. There's not a way for him to come back as far as he understands, ever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So back in the Terminator's bathroom, 
This is where we get the amateur eye surgery, where he removes an eyeball, revealing a red laser scope. Some of these effects don't look awesome for today's standards, but are but for the time. Cool you say that, but like, was there anybody in the movie theater that was like, oh, wow, how did they do that? Like, do you think that they sold that effect? I don't know. I think they were like, that looks really cool. I don't think they were like, this looks like shit. <laughs> I just think that they experience movies in a different way than we do. Yeah. But I, I really do like that after this, because he does a surgery in his eye and his eye is exposed and he still sort of wants to blend in, he goes full Corey Hart and just wears sunglasses the rest of this night. Yeah. And they're, they look, they're like frameless, like the way that people in the 80s thought the future would look. Like that's what it is. Yeah. He collects his weapons from under the bed and climbs out the window. So this begs the question, <laughs> why was he keeping the weapons under the bed? So that the bullet fairy would give him more ammo? <laughs> Duh, Mikey. You, know, you don't know the bullet fairy? Duh. Because, you know, he's the Terminator. Like, if somebody busts in, he would just kill him. But, this, you know, like, so I don't know why he's hiding his, his It guns. could be the only place he has to set them that's not the desk where he was doing surgery. Because we don't really see any other furniture in that place. But he could have put it on top of the bed. That's true. He's I not sleeping. He's a robot. I don't know why he's hiding them. That's very funny. I didn't think about that. Sorry, I don't mean to destroy this movie. I, I love this movie. No. Oh. Maybe those are the ones left in reserve that he had and he kept him under the bed because he's walking away from him. Yeah, could oh. be. All right, that's my headcanon from now on. <laughs> so back at the police station, Sarah watches the footage of Reese's interrogation and they're basically like, yeah, his delusions are fascinating and amazing. And he's basically giving them actual information. He's like, the records were lost. They didn't know Sarah's full name. It was being systematic. That's why it killed the other two women. He'll find her. That's what he does. That's all he does. And they take him away. Then Sarah asks the psychologist, so he's crazy? And the psychologist says, in technical terms, <laughs> he's a loon. <laughs> it's a real unprofessional mean thing to say about someone who is having a mental health crisis. <laughs> we have established that like basically everybody in this movie is a fucking dick. Like the one lady was like, you're going to love that this lady dies. <laughs> and this, this one guy's like, oh, we got a murdered girl. And he's like, tell me something I care about. And it's like, well, there's another murdered girl. Like, Everyone doesn't fucking care. They're all terrible. Well, yeah, you'd think the police would be a little bit more serious about this because at this point there's like seven to 12 bodies involved. Yeah. yeah. My favorite is what they do next where they're like, check out this bulletproof vest. This is probably how that guy did it. Also, he's probably on PCP, which like for a real world explanation of what has happened to her that night. I mean, yeah. PCP is a good explanation. Yeah. It's a hell of a drug. They did bring up props to kind of like explain it and calm her down, which I thought was thoughtful. Mm -hmm. And then he also gave her his jacket and his couch, which again, probably smell like shit because that guy's smoking like 40 cigarettes. He asked for a cigarette <laughs> while smoking another cigarette. Yeah. It's pretty great. After drinking a coffee that had a cigarette in it. Ugh. I'm pretty sure he gives you a, a cup of coffee. He's like, here, drink this. And I was like, there's a cigarette <laughs> in that cup. <laughs> As we learn later, that's what Sarah Connor's into is those kind of smells. <laughs> Stink. But he tells her, you'll be safe here. Crash on this couch. There's 30 cops in this building. And we are literally about to see a Terminator kill 30 cops in under five minutes. <laughs> this scene is probably my favorite scene in the movie because it's like you feel Sarah feels safe. You feel safe for the characters because they're in a police station yeah. surrounded yeah. by cops. And it's like just shatters that because he just runs his car right through the front, which I, is like so cool. It's, it's yeah. pretty great. When we get to it, we'll talk. So the doctor gets paged and leaves. Um, and this is where uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger shows up to the front desk and asks to see Sarah Connor. 
Um, and it's kind of an enclosed glass desk. And the guy behind the desk tells him that he has to wait. The Terminator looks at the size of the desk area and says, I'll be back, famously. Yes. And then drives his car through the wall, killing the desk sergeant. I do want to point out a continuity error here. Because as you see the reaction shot of the car driving into the police station, you very clearly see the headlights. And as you see the car driving into the police station, no headlights. That's like the only Ah. continuity error I could find in this movie. Interesting. What I thought was interesting, because one of my other favorite movies pulls from this scene specifically, and that's Hot Fuzz, where they actually (laughs) build out the desk sergeant's desk in Hot Fuzz. It looks exactly like this one. Interesting. And Edgar Wright has talked about that being one of the inspirations for it was this scene. That's awesome. Uh, So the Terminator climbs out of the wreck and lays waste to every cop in his path. Like, at one point, one of them runs past and just says, is it a terrorist? Because literally people (laughs) are just being mowed the fuck down. Yeah. Yeah. I do hate that there's one cop, and this is like probably like four or five cops dead in, and also the desk sergeant just got ran over by a car that drove into the building, and he's on the phone. Like, he's like at his desk, like on the phone, like, get off the phone, yeah. dude. This guy's like <laughs> mowing down your coworkers. He might have been calling the cops. <laughs> <laughs> get here. You're here? Oh, no. Oh, God. <laughs> it wakes Sarah up. The captain comes back into that office and tells her to stay put. The Terminator. Paige, though. Yeah. Paige, do you know who you call when? robots attack you though ghostbusters tech support <laughs> god damn it i hate you and love you so again, much again thanks for having me on <laughs> yeah, Blaine, uh, i'm sorry it didn't work out uh but yeah thank you so much for taking the time i appreciate it <laughs> oh man terminated it <laughs> so the terminator finds the circuit box kills the power reese overpowers the cop watching him and escapes sarah hides under a desk And the Terminator just literally walks through room by room, killing every single person he sees. Yeah. Just like one right after the other. Like it's nothing. He walks past the room where the captain is hiding and shoots the captain. Lance Henriksen, his sergeant, tries to stop to help the captain. So he gets shot. The door to the office that Sarah is hiding in jiggles. The doorknob jiggles. Someone punches through the window. But thankfully, it's Reese, not the Terminator. Right. He leads her out of the police station. They hop in a car and drive off. We cut to the interior of the car about... I would say a couple hours later, as it runs out of gas. They push the car off the road. They then walk to a viaduct where they camp for the night. The uh, synth music that they play while they're driving out is the fucking tightest. Is that Yeah, it's like it gets you amped. Says the man who works out watching Terminator movies. Oh, man. This is where he asks her if she's cold. She says freezing. He holds her to keep her warm, which is where she kind of discovers that he has been shot. Yeah. (laughs) But she's also asking him questions like, what's the future like? What's it like when you time travel? Hey, real quick, Paige, since you live out in L.A., do you ever go under that bridge with your husband and just kind of cuddle and talk because you're such a huge Terminator fan? Uh, we actually, we we live really close to this viaduct. Oh, um, really? It's Yeah, it's not easy to get down in there, though, but it's also this kind of same section of viaduct is featured in Drive. Uh, there's that scene where he goes with the little kid and they play in what looks like a park that used to be a freeway. Yeah. That's the the Los Angeles viaduct. So she dresses his wound and asks him to tell her 
about her son. And he basically tells her stories of the future and reveals that John didn't send him. He volunteered. Yeah. But also, if he didn't volunteer, like, John was going to send him anyway. But, you know. I do like that he says, well, he's about my height, sort of indicating that he might be the dad. But also, he has her eyes. Yeah. And he says it was a chance to meet the legend. So this is kind of the first inkling we get that, like, he's been low-key obsessed with her before he came back in time. Yeah. But he gives her a message from John. That's just, thank you, Sarah, for your courage in the dark years. I can't help you with what you must face, but I can say that the future is not set. You must be stronger than you imagine you can be. You must survive or I will never exist. What are y'all's thoughts on this message? (laughs) I like that ultimately in this movie, she is not a damsel in distress. She is the one who does find undiscovered reserves of strength within herself and does ultimately kill the machine. Yeah. I have always liked that about her. I like that quite a bit as well. It's a bit of a cold message. Like if I were talking to my mom, I'd probably say something a little bit. But then again, you see how he's raised in Terminator 2. They don't have that kind of motherly son relationship. They have a bury a coffin full of guns kind of relationship. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) No, but I do like that they kind of set her up as like a... uh, She's like Mary. Yeah. You know, she's giving birth to the savior and stuff like that. Like it's foretold, you know, I thought that was rad. And Kyle Reese is sort of John the Baptist ish. Well, John the Baptist is Jesus's cousin. He is the one that like went around talking about how Jesus was coming. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But this one, Kyle Reese is the one walking around coming. Uh, so she falls asleep while he tells her about the future and he's basically telling her about what he calls the infiltrators which is what we find out that the t100 is so it's one basically designed to look like a human uh so we watch as his crew comes through the settlement gets tested by dogs because dogs can sniff them out Mm -hmm. he walks past families living underground in squalor he sits down and looks at a polaroid of sarah connor while two boys next to him catch a rat for food which is real bleak um and then he hears the dogs start barking and he springs into action as a terminator sprays the room with gunfire this is the other mr universe yeah all of that stuff down in in the bunker is heartbreaking there was a woman crying the entire time like miserable how does anyone have sex down there i know well and (laughs) i mean she's gonna ask him about it later and we've kind of seen it so we're like yeah of course nobody was boning it out like i don't even know how those kids happen (laughs) like geez oh people bone it out yeah guys everywhere listen yeah come on it totally happens we watch kyle reese about to bone himself out like he was getting out his material yeah, he took the picture yeah, he out. was yeah. about to do it and then the dog started barking everyone's had sex next to two kids eating rats for food <laughs> <laughs> and watching a tv that's on that's fire, fire. <laughs> oh i've seen this episode of fire reruns what are you gonna do they're just sniffing in that burnt plastic carcinogens just huffing it you guys didn't see it right it's actually just the netflix fireplace (laughs) (laughs) i do love that when other mr universe shows up that shot where he's silhouetted and you see his red eyes oh yeah and his Fuck. chain gun is super cool yeah. or whatever yeah. it is. It, uh, it's, it's like Jesse Ventura's Gatling gun from Predator. Yes. <laughs> where it's just, it's just like a, yeah, yeah like a carry machine gun. 
So Sarah wakes up in his arms and mentions that she dreamt about dogs barking. He tells her how dogs can kind of sense Terminators. Um, They walk back up to the road. As they do, we cut back to the Terminator reviewing Sarah's address book. The landlord of the apartment that he's squatting in knocks and he replies with, fuck you, asshole. And this is when the landlord, the super, asks if he has a dead cat in there. But this is where I think it's a dead body. Yeah. He decides to head to her mom's cabin in Big Bear. Uh, So about an hour to two hours away. Kyle and Sarah hitchhike to a tiki motel and he pulls out a wad of cash and just says, is this enough? And she says, yes, but I don't know where you got it. And I don't know where he got it either. We didn't see it. We never see it. (laughs) Who knows? I think he was picking, looting dead bodies, I think. They were in the pants. (laughs) <laughs> well, I, that homeless guy just had tons. I do like that that's a moment, aside from his shit driving, that you establish this naivete yeah, because mm-hmm. he doesn't yeah. experience things because he's from the future. So he's just like, they don't have currency. He's just got a bunch of crumpled up bills, yeah. mm-hmm. which is a cool touch. They get a room with a kitchen and then he goes out for supplies, leaving her with a gun. She calls her mom after taking a shower and tells her mom that she can't tell her where she is, but eventually relents and gives her the phone number. But we cut to the mom's cabin in Big Bear, and it is not her mom. Her mom is definitely dead. Yeah. It's the machine imitating her mom's voice. Yes. He calls the number that she gives him and gets the address for the motel. Reese returns with bomb supplies, uh, saying that he learned to make them as a kid and basically revealed that the Terminator's headed their way on a motorcycle. We don't know where he got it, but he's on a motorcycle. Sarah Connor's mom. Uh, yeah. <laughs> big, big Harley. She was a Hell's Angel. Big Harley fan. Pretty great. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so Reese teaches Sarah how to make pipe bombs. And this is how we know that they have seven because he teaches her to make one and he says, make six more like that. That's what it is. Okay. Yeah. Such a good continuity yeah. touch. Yep. Again, mm-hmm. masterfully written and done. So we cut to later that evening where she's laying in bed, uh, hasn't fallen asleep yet, and he's staring out the window conveniently shirtless. (laughs) And she basically says, some legend, you must be pretty disappointed. And this is where she kind of sidles up close to him and is like, what are women like in your time? Do they like stinky pants? What's that about? (laughs) And he says, good fighters, (laughs) which is accurate but sad. Um, And she says, it's not what I meant. Was there someone special? And he says, no, never. And this is where she notices all the scars on his back uh, and just says, so much pain. (laughs) And he says, pain can be controlled. You just disconnected. And she says, so you feel nothing? And this is where he tells her about the picture where he says, John gave me a picture of you once. I didn't know why at the time, but you were young the way you were now. You just looked a little sad. And I always wondered what you were thinking. And I memorized it. And then he says, I came across time for you, Sarah. I love you. I always have. Yeah. Sarah, look at this. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. If Chad Kroger turns out to be Kyle Reese, I'll be so pissed. This is the creepiest line. And it comes out of nowhere. He's not even flirted with her the whole movie. I don't think he knows how. Who would flirt in his future time? I mean, and nobody, to be honest, yeah. I don't think Sarah's that observant. I think she kind of needs it spelled out for her. In the future, page, you ain't got time to flirt. You only got time to squirt. 
You only get no. I, oh, <laughs> he's like pissed off and embarrassed, so he goes over to the pipe bombs that he told her to careful be very with. careful with, and he just starts fucking jamming him into a gym bag. He's like, "I'm so stupid. What a dumb mistake. <laughs> My first time flirting. I say I loved you forever. God dang it. Yeah, <laughs> fucking idiot. Dumb, dumb, dumb. Well, he says I shouldn't have said that, and she kisses him, and they start yeah. making out against the fridge. Yeah, because she says, "I'm gonna die any moment. I want to bone one last time. I really." don't care that you're no not at all from the future also stinky pants aside like if smell wasn't a factor hell yeah like rings can get it and does he can get it unfortunately unless she has covid smell is always a factor (laughs) (laughs) it's a nice romance scene like it's tastefully done it is also that that music that's the song i taught myself at church camp oh Oh. yeah 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 yeah. no (laughs) (laughs) i came across camp for you becky (laughs) 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 we cut to the terminator still en route to the motel and then we cut back to the hotel room where they're getting dressed and she says think fast and then tosses the bag of pipe bombs yeah i didn't realize that (laughs) (laughs) the one that he like angrily shoved full and then she's just like someone needs to re-edit that scene think fast (laughs) boom and then just credits the machine's marked victorious (laughs) i do like that they have like this post coitus like oh we're flirty like it's the only time he smiles it is well i mean do you blame him oh i am very attracted to him in this movie and that his smile is so great and it's the only time you see it but it's for this moment he is happy and you're just like see if that was me i'd be like well i gotta get going back to the future now (laughs) (laughs) better be hitting the old future trail (laughs) In the future, we don't have condoms, so you understand. (laughs) You understand. I thought the radiation made me shoot blanks, to be honest. Uh, But as they're having this kind of cute moment where they almost explode the entire hotel. I mean, Kyle Reese is a virgin. He almost exploded the whole hotel earlier. That that is true, because he's been in love with her the whole time. No one's one's ever turned his crank the way Sarah does. Probably should have been a shorter sex scene if that was his first time i think it's a multiple i i think okay i, I think it's page you know for him probably yes yeah <laughs> Sarah didn't get there. i mean you're gonna die he came across time for you you're not gonna put out multiple times <laughs> <laughs> because of the implication mikey <laughs> she doesn't have sex with him until she he tells her he's a virgin so i think it's like a specific oh she's got a type <laughs> yeah <laughs> oh, this is just making it weird what <laughs> I know it's already weird that her son sent him from the future to raw dog her so he could be born, but you're making it weirder. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, so the dog is barking, so they know that the Terminator's there. He kicks in the door and sprays the room with bullets, but they're already out. They commandeer a truck. He takes after them on motorcycle, and he fires at them as they drive away. They trade places driving so Reese can lean out the window and toss pipe bombs at the Terminator. He misses. He tries again. A third time. A fourth time. He leans out to throw the fifth pipe bomb, and he is shot in the stomach. Yeah. Sarah pulls him back into the cab of the truck, and he slumps against her because he is dying. Yeah. She sideswipes the machine on the motorcycle and manages to flip the truck. She watches the machine get run over by a semi-truck, the same one that he ran over in front of Sarah Connor's house. So it's the one that runs him over is the same one. Uh, But the machine gets up and commandeers the truck. 
uh, at this point, because he was dragged under the truck, he's missing huge sections of his skin. So he's like yeah. clearly a robot at this point. And I love that he just gets into the cab of the truck and turns to the other guy and just says, get out. And the guy's like, you know, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that guy got away easy. Also, this truck sequence, like with the new detail that the truck he ran over before was the same yeah. truck. That's awesome. Uh, another amazing touch. Even in the widest wide shots, you can see his one red yes. glowing eye. So yeah, fucking that's cool. So cool. Yep. He turns the truck around, intending to run them over as they're still trying to get out of the flipped truck. She pulls Kyle from the wreckage just in time and they run away. But Kyle is not doing great. He collapses near a dumpster and lights the last bomb as he tells her to run ahead of him. He tosses it in the tailpipe of the tanker truck as it passes and climbs into that dumpster. Sarah runs. The bomb goes off. The tanker explodes, which would have killed Sarah. Yeah. Like in watching it this time, I was like, she would have been dead. But Well, the way they did that is that's a screen behind her and she's yeah. running away from a screen. Yeah, because yeah. she was way too close oh, to it. Oh, interesting. But it's yep. not the last pipe bomb. It's not. There's one more. I didn't realize that was rear projection. That's fucking yeah. rad. Yeah, that's how they did that, yep. that shot. The machine collapses in flames, and it looks like they finally killed it. She walks through the wreck to find Kyle miraculously still standing. They collapse into each other's arms, but behind them, a metal skeleton rises from the flames. They run towards the factory behind them and break in, and the machine follows them. They get to the factory floor and block the door. Kyle turns all the machines on for interference, but the machine breaks through the door. Kyle collapses. Sarah drags him to his feet again, and they run further into the factory. They duck between machines to hide, but the machine follows them. Sarah accidentally turns on Chekhov's hydro hydraulic press that comes <laughs> back 10 minutes from now. Kyle grabs a steel bar, and they're cornered. The machine advances on them. He tells Sarah to run. He hits the machine with the pipe, giving her time to get away. The machine knocks him down as he lights one last pipe bomb and sticks it in the machine's abdomen. It explodes, sending shrapnel everywhere, Sarah's leg included. She pulls a chunk of metal out of her leg and tries to crawl to Kyle, but he is so dead. He is the most dead at this point. <laughs> Counterpoint, he's faking it. <laughs> To get away from this, this new relationship. Yeah, yeah. yeah, no, like when he she turns his head, it's yeah, brutal. It is. Like and oh, really yeah. real. Like he looks like shit when he's a dead body. <laughs> like zero piece at all. He did not die. No. No, the first time I saw this, I sobbed. I was so sad that, that he was like <laughs> brutally dead. I was just like <gasps> um He died how he lived, Paige, killing machines. In stinky pants. <laughs> um so he's dead, but the machine isn't and it crawls after her as she crawls away across the catwalk and down onto a moving walkway she crawls through the hydraulic press from before the machine follows and she waits until it's directly under the press and shuts the gate it tries to choke her she turns on the press and says you're terminated fucker it crushes the machine and she watches as the one red eye goes dark yeah. So good. Oh, that scene is littered with just like amazing bait and switch bait yeah. switches. Like the fire thing, like I was a kid, I remember I was convinced, oh, they killed the, yeah. the, the Terminator. And then it came out. And then it was like, oh, he blew him up. Oh, and then he came right? back. Yeah. Like it was so good. It was just relentless. But that's also a slasher thing, too. Yeah. 
you know, yeah, it, it, yeah. it's it's, it's the stinger. Yeah. And also all the practical stuff, like the close-ups of the the you know feet mm-hmm. and the hands, all that stuff looks amazing. All of the animatronic like CGI stop motion stuff looks pretty rough well and all they filmed in an actual factory so a lot of those are actual factory machines that they are climbing across and using yeah um and it's all practical in this um piece which will come into play later when we talk about fun facts about the order in which they shot things dictated a lot of kind of what they had to do in those scenes Hmm. so sarah watches as the paramedics take reese's body away they zip him into a body bag at which point i'm gonna be like he's just john doe Like, there's no identification. (laughs) No one knows who he is. We cut to her in a badass Jeep with a dog and a gun driving through Mexico, very pregnant. Yeah. Recording tapes for her son, John, because Reese never misses. Uh, (laughs) And she tells John that he has to send Kyle or else he'll never be. And she says that the few hours they had together, we loved a lifetime's worth, which I was like, like six Uh. hours? I stole your dad's virginity. (laughs) (laughs) I do like that John Connor is going to get like a bunch of cassette tapes that are like fucking blown out, windy, like, (laughs) like she, the top is down in the Jeep. Yeah. She's talking into it. Normal volume. There's no way he's hearing that. The the implication that he'd be able to play cassette tapes forty years from now. <laughs> <To the future. laughs> like, yeah. Good luck with that. I mean, I know it happened in Guardians of the Galaxy, but that's a one off. <laughs> so she stops at a gas station where uh, a little kid basically hustles her for a photo. Uh, she lowballs him and gets the photo, but it turns yeah. out that that's the photo that Reese had. The kid says, "If you don't buy this photo, my father my dad will, beat will beat me." me. Yeah. And then she lowballs it. Well, she, I think she knows it's a hustle. The thing that drove me yeah. crazy about this scene is when she pulls in, she uses her English to Spanish translation book yes. to talk to the guy. The guy who owns the gas station, I guess, to get gas in the car. And then when he comes back, he fully just speaks English. Yeah, and she knows yeah. it because she's like, "What did he say?" Yeah, and he's like, "Oh yeah, yeah I can speak perfect English." <laughs> So it's the photo that Reese had. Uh, The kid tells her that there's a storm coming. (laughs) She asks what he says. The guy tells her. She says, I know. She puts on her glasses and drives toward the storm. Yeah. And And that's that's the movie. movie. Linda Hamilton didn't pay for that gas. She didn't pay for that gas. She didn't. She just drives away. So having seen the movie, having talked about it, what do you guys think? Final thoughts. Oh, it's still one of my favorite movies of all time. Yeah. It's so great. I love this movie. Yeah. I watched it a billion times before, and I'm going to watch it a billion times again in the future. Yeah. It's like in each each subsequent viewing, I always find something extra detail that I appreciate, that makes me appreciate it even more. Yeah. I love this movie. Yeah. And I love now that I've seen the actual movie and not the made for TV movie, I'll probably watch it more. Yeah. That's because so of the boobs. I mean, I, I just because <laughs> it's got more in it and it's like more, you know, it's better because it's, you know, it's not made for TV. Yeah. I got boobs. Yeah. Okay. I did not yeah. say that. I mean, it's a classic. Yeah, it is a classic. Yeah. Yeah. So Paige, do you have some fun facts for us? I have so many fun facts for well, us. Well, hit us with those fun facts. <laughs> it's going to be a slightly longer fun facts today because this is the little movie that could, which is awesome. pretty amazing. I don't think anyone's upset about that. No, not at all. The germ of this idea started in 1981 when he had a nightmare about a machine emerging from flames. So basically like the shot after the truck. Yeah. That was his nightmare. Uh, And at the time he was 26 years old and he was working as a model maker and art director for Roger Corman, which if you are a film nerd, Corman was famous for making kind of pulp sci-fi horror movies at the time. He was like the trauma of his day. Okay. 
Currently, James Cameron was in Rome where he had tried to make his directorial debut with a movie called Piranha 2 The Spawning. Oh. And he had only worked on it as a director for five days before being fired. Oh, no. And he was trying to get his name off of it because he didn't want it to be the first movie he directed. Yeah. Uh, He was super sick. He had a high fever and he had a dream about this metal death figure coming out of a fire, which makes this very, very similar to Predator. Because if you know the backstory to Predator, the guy who wrote the original treatment to Predator wrote it because he was super sick and high on painkillers and had a crazy dream and wrote it down while like recovering from a back injury or whatever that's crazy this just pisses me off because i I have dreams about showing up to work with no pants and these guys are like (laughs) dreaming these incredible film concepts yeah like i have dreams like that like going to work with homeless people's pants (laughs) (laughs) which i mean you could have written a movie about that and it could have also been this movie yeah it's true um (laughs) upon returning to los angeles from rome james cameron showed his sketches of this figure to Gail Ann Hurd, also 26 at the time, who was one of Roger Corman's assistants. As they worked through this concept, she would become his writing partner and his producer, and then they'd get married and then get divorced in the process of making and distributing this movie and then making other projects. Oh, wow. wow. So they wrote what they called at the time a scriptment. It was 40 pages long, single-spaced, typed, and it's basically just beat for beat what the movie was. And they wanted to sell it specifically, not just as a script, they wanted to make and direct it. So in their treatment, they basically broke down the pricing of what it would cost because they had both worked in production. Oh, that's awesome. So they were basically selling it as, if you give us X amount of money, this is what we will make. Yeah. So they eventually end up selling it to Orion. One of the production directors at Orion, Mike Medavoy, agrees to finance the film, but he does it on one condition. It needed a major star. And that went kind of in the face of what their treatment originally said, because James Cameron and Gail Ann Hurd originally wanted to keep the budget down and use a fairly unknown cast. So they actually wanted Lance Henriksen to play the Terminator. And in their pitch meeting with the studio, they had Lance Henriksen, who they had met on the set of Piranha 2 (laughs) and would go on to appear in this and then Aliens. They had him come to the meeting in costume as the Terminator and with (laughs) art direction showing him as the Terminator He actually broke down the studio's office door while wearing a ripped shirt, a leather jacket, combat boots, and gold foil from a cigarette pack folded around his teeth like a grill. Oh, that's crazy. So That's really cringy. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, but that secured them the funding for the movie until the executive from Orion came to Gail Ann Hurd and James Cameron and said, are you sitting down? You got to sit down. I want OJ Simpson for the oh, Terminator. man. And Arnold Schwarzenegger for the good guy, whatever his name is. <laughs> and you have to remember that this is the 80s yes. and this is when everyone loved OJ Simpson. And that was part of the problem. They didn't cast him as the Terminator because he was too likable. And to quote James Cameron, because he actually said in the 
uh, oral history that a lot of this is coming from. I wasn't interested in an African-American man chasing around a white girl with a knife and guns. It just felt wrong. Oh, my God. I mean, he was right about that. (laughs) Because they had no idea what was about to happen. Yeah. Oh, prophetic. Prophetic. But then that meant that he had to go to lunch with Arnold Schwarzenegger to basically try and talk him out of wanting the role of Kyle Reese because he didn't think Schwarzenegger was right for it. Mm-hmm. So he shows up at the lunch and over this lunch realizes like, oh, screw Kyle Reese. This is our Terminator. Yeah. So then he had to go and convince Schwarzenegger to take the role of Terminator. And Schwarzenegger was like, no, the Terminator only has 17 lines. Why would I do that? I'm trying to build my career as a leading man yeah. and not just a villain who is like, nameless and faceless and james cameron promised him that he would shoot it in such a way that all of the stuff that he does would be totally excused by audiences basically thinking he's a cool machine so cool that people will be attached to him even as the villain which does ultimately happen this movie makes his career essentially absolutely but even with all of that squared away with the studio because they were willing to accept Arnold as their big name star instead of OJ. (laughs) But there was a problem because as Cameron had met with Arnold, he had just finished Conan the Barbarian and Dino De Laurentiis, who directed or who produced the original Conan the Barbarian, decided to exercise an option in Schwarzenegger's contract and forced him to appear in the sequel, Conan the Destroyer, despite his Terminator contract. So the entire filming schedule for Terminator was scrapped and delayed for almost a year while Schwarzenegger went off to film Conan in Mexico. So while that delay was happening, James Cameron basically used the script for Terminator and sent it out as a writing sample to try and attract new writing opportunities in Hollywood while he was just waiting to make the movie. So he got a meeting for a remake of the movie Spartacus that took place in space. That movie was never made. Spaceicus? (laughs) Spaceicus! I want to see that. It was never made. And so the company came to him and was like, we're sorry, Spaceicus fell through. (laughs) Uh, How would you like to write the sequel to Alien? And so he came back a week later with a treatment for Alien 2 that basically incorporated ideas from another script he had written previously. The studio loved his take and hired him to write the Alien sequel. But on the very same day, because he'd been taking meetings with other companies, he was also hired by a different studio to write Rambo First Blood Part 2. God. Not wanting to let two opportunities slip through his fingers, he took both jobs and wrote the screenplays at the same time. Did he direct Rambo First Blood Part 2? No. No. I think he just wrote it. I didn't even know he wrote it. That movie's bad I believe he does. He directs Aliens, though. Yeah. So to complete both scripts in the time period, because he only had three months to write both of them, he estimated how long each script would be and divided the pages up by the amount of days that he had. And for three months, he wrote 360 pages for both scripts, basically 120 for each, and basically would just split his time in half by pages every single day per hour until both scripts were complete. To be fucking James Cameron at that point in time in the 80s, like he is the hottest of hot shits like yeah. in yeah. Hollywood. That is so cool. 
Well, and here's the thing, because Terminator hadn't come out yet and Terminator was his directorial debut, at this point he's just a writer and people are liking his stuff because none of these movies have come out yet. So he's not hot shit yet, but he is about to be. Just explode onto the scene, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Now, at the same time, he got in a bit of a fight with the studio because the studio only agreed to finance the movie on the agreement that he used a specific special effects house. And he went to that special effects house and was like, this is what I want. And they said, yeah, we can't do that. We don't have time to do that. You should call Stan Winston, who would go on to basically be one of the biggest names in like sci-fi makeup and everything forever. So Stan Winston ends up making all of the props and stuff for this movie. And then again, I believe also does some work on Predator as well Mm -hmm. after because he knew Arnold and Arnold brings him in. So they start shooting in downtown L.A., for 44 days. This movie was shot in 44 days, which is madness. Madness. But they would shoot in night shoots constantly and it was super exhausting and so they would just stay in costume the whole time as they basically took over like four LA blocks in downtown in a bad part of downtown. And at one point Arnold in costume went into a restaurant and just said, I need a table for four, please. And the host freaked out and wouldn't seat them because <laughs> they were just like, um, but they would be running around LA at about four in the morning with half a Terminator propped up on a two by four because they had built the suit in like sections and would basically use it to prop it up because they couldn't get it to walk seamlessly, which is why the Terminator has a limp mm. because they could never get it to walk in a seamless way okay interesting they ended up working in the kerns fruit factory that's kerns like the fruit nectar like the canning like the canned juices yeah Mm -hmm. okay still around uh so it's in their canning factory and they had to work eight days in a row and on day nine the metal arm that they had built for the the terminator which weighed 250 pounds they were shoving it out of the hydraulic lift and injured her throat injured linda hamilton's throat oh yeah so all of her bruises and everything are in are real because she got hurt multiple times shooting all of those things doing her own stunts but they hadn't shot the scenes of her earlier in the movie they shot all of basically the end battles first Ooh, that's crazy normally you do this like the high risk stuff at the end well then they had to go back and shoot her as a young waitress and so they had to cover up all of her bruises from shooting the other stuff. And it would take two hours every morning to cover her injuries and makeup. Yeah. So finally the film was finished in the summer of 1984 and James Cameron showed a rough cut to the executives who had funded it and they hated it. What? They hated the movie as is. Yes. That destroys me. It's nuts. They hated it so much. They didn't want to screen it for critics and they weren't going to give it any marketing budget. Oh, my God. And part of the reason why is because they had just released Amadeus five weeks before, <laughs> which would then go on to re- to win Best Picture. And they basically were I like, love Amadeus, but that's so funny that that's yeah. great movie. Also, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but they basically were like Terminator doesn't fit with our aesthetic right now. Yeah. And they were devastated and they basically wanted them to recut the movie. And James Cameron was like, Fuck you. I ain't recutting shit. Nice. I'm not changing shit. This movie is great as is. And he's right. Yeah. And he and the executive uh, who funded Metavoy, the one who wanted OJ Simpson, 
have been in like a feud ever since, sort of. I wonder who's winning that feud. Oh, James Cameron, who just keeps talking shit on this guy at panels for like (laughs) the rest of his life. And then anytime people ask the executive, they're like, so James Cameron kind of hates you. He's like, I didn't read it that way. You're just like, what? All right. In fact, it was going so badly that there was a New York press tour. And at the last minute, they just uninvited Linda Hamilton because they're like, we're not actually doing press for this movie. So she didn't even get to do press for the movie. But a handful of people did see it. And one of those people was Michael Bain's agent. And that agent also represented Mel Gibson and Richard Gere. Wow. And that agent loved the movie. So he called Orion and was like, if you don't release this movie, you don't get to work with any of my other stars. Oh, shit. (laughs) And that is why the movie gets released. That's amazing. That guy's a fucking hero. I know. They do end up adding a final scene of her driving off into the middle of nowhere. They didn't have Linda Hamilton at the time. They literally just drove out to a road in the middle of nowhere and put somebody else in a wig. And they had to wait until the heat was just right so they could get the heat ripples because they didn't have the money to add them in in post. And so they're like setting everything up on this road. There's no cars until finally one car appears on the horizon. And it turns out it's a cop. And he pulls them over and is like, you don't have a permit to film here. And they tell him that they're making a UCLA student film. We didn't know we needed permits. And he says, "Okay, you're fine. Just take the camera off the road. And the cop drove away and they got the final shot for the movie. (laughs) That's amazing. I love it. Just a pain in the ass all the way till the end. Yep. Uh. And well, and even after the end. So we talked about it a little bit that the music has a unique time signature, which they do change for T2. But also, once the movie is released, writer Harlan Ellison sues them for allegedly stealing the idea of the movie from two episodes of The Outer Limits. Alleges that James Cameron took the idea of two future warriors battling in the past from an episode entitled Soldier and that the Terminator skeleton was taken from a similar robot design he created for the episode Demon with a Glass Hand. But rather than battling it out in court, Orion just settled out of court and agreed to add an acknowledgement to the works of Harlan Ellison credit in prints of the movie, which if you watch the movie now, it comes up in those early credits, mostly because they didn't want to deal with it. But they did this behind James Cameron's back, and he was fucking furious about it. Because that's that's acknowledging that he sort of stole the idea. I would be be so furious, too. He remains furious to this day. They tried to fuck James Cameron on every turn with this film. Yeah, and he has gone on to call uh, Harlan Ellison a parasite who can kiss my ass. (laughs) And those are our fun facts. Well, Paige, thank you for those amazing fun facts. Let's do some box office. So this movie came out in 84 like we talked about. What do you think the budget was for The Terminator in 1984? I know, so I will recuse myself. All right, Blaine, Mikey, what do you guys think? The budget? Yes. Somewhere in the teens, millions. Okay. I'm going to say... Eight million. Okay, Mikey, you're closer. It was six point four million dollars. What? Yeah. Oh yes. my god. Six million dollars. Yeah. And that's the amount that they pitched in their treatment, too. Where they were like, we could do this for six million. Right. right. Sure. So mind you, this is the eighties, and this is right around the time Reagan started the made up myth of trickle down economics that screwed up our economy. So if you change that to today's dollars, that's sixteen million dollars. So it's still a pretty low budget. For a movie of this quality, but the movie came out October 26th, 1984, uh, and it was number one that week. It beat and barely beat Terror in the Isles 
body double places in the heart and thief of hearts it's a very heart themed week hearty yeah mm-hmm. but uh terminator <laughs> one and only won by twenty thousand dollars over terror of the isles terminator made wow. four million twenty thousand dollars and terror in the isles made four million dollars there's definitely elements of low budget. Like I think the fact that there's not an orchestral score and it's all synthesizer, yeah. that's yeah. like a big indicator that it's cheap. But also like if you look at the film grain, I watched the Blu-ray cut, but like the older versions, the film that they use is grainy and shitty. Yeah. And there's like, yeah. there's like that tracing that you kind of get with like mm-hmm. VHS sometimes. Like yeah. it's, it's a rough around the edges, but that just makes it so lovable. Yeah. I think it works because of the type of movie it is like, you know, their future is rough around the edges. The Terminator itself, is kind of rough around the edges and i remember watching this on vhs and it being kind of rough and grainy but here for it just some more notable things that happened while it was in the box office its second weekend out it made more money than its first weekend out which is very uncommon for movies it didn't make a lot more but it's 4.2 million dollars so a little bit more than it did the week before but let's just ask this what do you think it made total domestic run while it was in theaters in 1984 I'm sure it made its budget back. Oh, yeah. De- I mean, definitely. Yeah. I mean, just the first two weekends, it made eight, right? We, d- we talked about those numbers. Yeah, yeah, sure. I, I don't know, like 20. 30? Mikey's closer again. It was $38 million. Nice. And then it went on to make another 40 internationally for a total of $78 million. And if you account for inflation, that's $195.4 million for The Terminator. Good for them. On a $6 million budget. That was adjusted for inflation. So you've got to take the $16 million yeah. to 195 But still, that's a huge return on investment. But yeah. then I do want to, like, we just watched Invisible Man that had a $7 million budget. Yeah. Like that should tell crazy. you how crazy that budget is yeah. and amazing what Lee Winnell did with it. Yeah, absolutely. So. But that's box office. All right. You guys want to do scary? Scale? Yeah, let's do it. Scary scale. Blaine, scary scale is a scale of one to 10 of how scary we found the film as we watched it this time. Our one example is Ghostbuster and our 10 example is Texas Chainsaw Massacre. So what do you think, Blaine? Uh, I mean, on this most recent viewing, yes, yeah. most recent viewing. <laughs> I, I mean, a most recent viewing, it's still got to be like a through two, three, three. Because okay, I'm just okay. like, I've watched it so many times. What was your first viewing? Oh, my God. First viewing is 10. Like, the skeleton coming out of the fire fucking <laughs> ruined me. I did not see it coming at all. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. All right. Three and 10. All right. Paige? Original viewing for me would have been a seven or eight solid because I loved it and was so excited by it that that tempered the fear a bit. But it was still very scary. And you were like, is sex going to smell this bad? i would say it's probably a one but only just because i've seen it so many times right yeah i mean that's where it falls for me just because i've seen it so many times but the first time it was much higher yeah but because of what blaine was talking about like when he comes back out of the fire and then when he gets blown up he still keeps coming at it like it's super scary Yeah. yeah skeletons are scary Skeletons are scary. The scariest part for me is when he impersonates her mom. It's also one of the scariest parts for me in T2 when he's killed uh, the foster parents yeah. and is pretending to be them. Yeah. So, Mikey, what do I'm you give it? Give it a one. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <That makes sense. laughs> one now. I mean, like original, I would think higher, but one now. It's still super cool. Yeah. Hell it's yeah. It's amazing. That's your scary skill. Yeah. So, Blaine, thank you so much for joining us here on The Horror Virgin. We really, really appreciate it. Can you tell our listeners where they can find more from you? Yeah, sure. So, I have a podcast uh, that I run with my friend Chris Damaris over at Rooster Teeth. It's called Good Morning from Hell. Uh, basically, I play Clayton, the younger brother of Satan. Yeah. And uh, with Chris playing a dead version of himself, we interview everybody in the afterlife. So, we're interviewing <laughs> all the people in hell. 
Um, and it's a really fun improv podcast. Paige has been on twice and she's fucking killed it. And I'm going to have to have you guys on. Absolutely. Now, yeah. uh, Love if you are interested. Yeah. It's a, it's a really fun show. So you can find me over there and just Rooster Teeth content in general. We're always streaming at our, our TTV. Uh, yeah, that's me. Awesome. Well, thanks so much for joining us. We really appreciate it. Yeah, it yeah. was great to meet you. Yeah, yeah y'all too. I've, I've been a big fan. When you guys did the cult podcast episode where you talked about that terrible cult movie. The Sacrament? Yeah, I was like, these guys are rad and I want to work with them. So, <laughs> thanks for having me Thank on. You. So this week, you guys made me watch The Terminator and honestly loved it. Thank you so much for that. Next week, the listeners have spoken and we will be watching Signs for our January sci-fi listener request. It was up against Life, Annihilation, The Fly, and Signs. And man, Signs crushed it. It got 12 more votes than The Fly and Annihilation and Life weren't even close. So guys, that is what your homework is for next week. Watch the 2002, I believe, Signs with Mel Gibson before everyone knew he was horrible. This episode was again brought to you by Nick, Nick B. B. Nick B, fun fact, he sent someone back in time to have sex with his mother. Oh. <laughs> How'd that go? fast <laughs> <laughs> well nick b it's great that you're sending someone back in time to help out your mom in times of need i don't know where this is going and i feel bad talking about it we'll just move on nick b love you good to see you again this episode also brought to you by awesome possum blossom and awesome possum blossom wants us to give you some awesome possum facts so here's one for you their tail acts as a fifth appendage. Ooh. So possums are one of a handful of animals with... <laughs> with a prehensile tail? Yeah, with a prehensile tail. Yeah, exactly. These appendages are sometimes used as an extra arm. They carry grass and leaves for building nests or grip the sides of trees to provide extra stability while climbing. And if you want to see some adorable pictures, Google baby possums hanging from trees. It's super cute. Oh, yes. They hang upside down and it's very cute. It is very cute. So thank you so much for that awesome possum fact. Awesome possum blossom. And this episode was also brought to you by Ori. And Ori is awesome. I was in a bind the other day. Like I just, I happened to find myself downtown and I was just for whatever reason, I don't want to get into it. I was completely naked and I was just running down an alley (laughs) and and Ori was there and, and they were like, just, just take my pants. So like I took... Ori's pants they were extra pants they still had pants mm-hmm. on mm-hmm. they were extra pants I like that yeah. you criticized my fun fact for Nick B but this is what you're going with with the Ori yeah I feel like it's alright when I do it so I put on their <laughs> pants and then I ran away so Ori thank you so much for at least providing me with pants uh, although I will admit that I don't look as good running away as Kyle Reese does in this movie he's got like a mm. nine pack it's amazing. hate to see him go love to watch Oof, him leave yeah he's so hot well Ori thank you so much We love you very, very much. This episode was also brought to you by Brandon's Bug Business, which is actually called Bug Cage Company on Facebook. But if you have any type of bug needs, say you have a iguana like Ginger does in this movie or like Sarah does in this movie and you didn't want to feed it maybe like a tarantula, a spider, a scorpion, centipede, millipede or other apede, you could just call up Bug Cage Company on Facebook and order some bugs. So thank you for supporting the podcast. And guys, feel free to support Bug Cage Company. We now return you to another episode of The Patreonicals. Welcome back. As our heroes fight my dog, Macy, the evil demon dog. 
<laughs> Macy says, I'm actually in charge of the Illuminati. I'm the main villain of the story now. Wow. I did not see that coming. It's almost as if Mikey is just looking around his room to find <laughs> things to add to the story. Macy also says, I love lamp. <laughs> and I love that horrible painting that's above my dad. Macy is enraged. <laughs> Suck it. Oh, my God. Okay. So our main fighters, Kate, Eddie, Tristam, because some people don't have good fighting powers. Okay. Yet. Or maybe never. It all depends on how the story goes. So Isaac just ate a koala and is like, fuck yeah. this. Let's get it. And then so Isaac, Kate, Tristam, evil Matthew, he's a decent fighter. Uh, and <laughs> they all like attack Macy together. Uh, right. And uh, Sasha gets... Karun, who's still crying, and then um, Amy, the astronaut, and they they're running off. Right, and and Dylan, Dylan as well is like Dylan is like I don't really understand what is all going on here. This is kind of I don't really like being here as well. <laughs> I'd imagine Dylan and Amy are super confused. Yeah, they're just like, damn it. <laughs> <laughs> they're like, why have I done this? Yes. <laughs> Uh, um, so um macy throws dog hair all over isaac and it sticks all over him it's a lot it's really coarse and he falls back and he hits evil matthew and they get stuck together in the in a dog hair ball and then macy um puts it in she's grown bigger like clifford the big red dog (laughs) okay okay and so she puts them in her mouth and she throws them away like a fur ball and then her tail wags a lot, watching it fly away. And so Kate uh, picks up some trees. <laughs> I'm sorry. Hang on. I need some clarification. Maggie picked up some of our heroes and threw them with her mouth? Macy? Yeah, but they were in a ball of her hair. Oh, okay. So she's like a spider dog? She threw. She could throw dog hair off her tail onto them, and it stuck to them, and it got them all prickly. And then they stuck together, and then she picked them up and did the err, and then threw them. So it turned them into a Velcro ball that she then picked up and threw across the room. Yeah, definitely okay. not what That makes, happen. honestly, I'm honestly, I apologize. That makes perfect sense. Now that we've talked it out, I should have I gathered that. That makes perfect sense. That's a very common thing. Uh, Isaac and Evil Matthew... They're out. They went a long way. She threw a long way. Then okay. Tristam, he's climbing on top, stabbing her with the arm or whatever, and she throws him off, and he like, ugh. And, it, you know, he's really injured, and he's like, error, error. <laughs> <laughs> Eddie has talked the koalas back with his, like, silver tongue, and so, like, ooh. Yeah, but they're like, we can't, this dog is strong as shit. We can't do anything. We got to get the fuck out of here, Eddie. So they like, they run, Eddie runs off with the koalas with the others. To go warn the others. And then Kate's like, Eddie, you run. We're not going to be able to kill this thing. So she picks up a tree with her psychic powers and throws it. And then Macy runs after it with fetch. It's just instinct. That makes sense. Yeah, they still have those doggy instincts. Right. And they're retreating. But although they're retreating, they're running away uh, out of Mammaltopia, the ruins of Mammaltopia. Macy runs off to chase the tree. They don't know how much time they have. And uh, Amy's trying to talk to Karun. Is like, hey, I lived in space, too. And, like, you live in space. <laughs> and, like, you know, it's going to be okay. You know, you're not alone. Blah, blah, blah. And um, Dylan is just like, shut up, everyone. We got to run really fast. And, and then so they're running. So that's what's going on. And then Dylan finds uh, a car. And uh, it's, it's one of the big Mad Max trucks that... Um, thunder domington had it still runs <laughs> and uh dylan's special power I forgot about thunder domington can, yeah he hot wires the car 
And he's like, get in. We got to get out of here. And so Kate flies up. It's like, we've got to get out of here. Yeah. And so they all they all get in the car. And they, they, they drive off. I do think it's great that Kate just flew up. If you get the power to move things with your mind, I would never walk again. Yeah. I'd be floating around like Baron Harkonnen in Dune. What exactly did Eddie say to the koalas to get them back on our side? Are we going to find some human alien love connection between our two space <laughs> travelers, Amy and Karun? Are they going to go in search of a galactic lint roller for all that dog hair? <laughs> find out next week on another episode of The, the Patreonicals. That's going to be it for us this week. I'm Paige. I'm Mikey. And I'm your horror virgin Todd, guys. Keep it ooky spooky. Have a great week. Bye. Bye. Is it Reese's Pieces after Kyle Reese? Are we talking about his abs? Is that what they are? Reese's Pieces? I don't know, but just like regular Reese's Pieces, I want to eat all of it. (laughs) I would follow a trail of Reese's Pieces to anything. Mm. Wow. That's like E.T. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Terminator nerds.